Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Bored with the wrestling you're watching right now? Well, wrestling fans, there is finally an alternative. And this wins it for the first time in wrestling history. You can order TNA Wrestling on pay-per-view for just one cent. You'll see Jeff Jarrett, Raven, D'Lo Brown, AJ Styles, the man they call Sting. You won't see action like this on Monday nights. It's TNA Wrestling for just one cent this Wednesday night only on pay-per-view. Ah, the memories of the NWA TNA Penny Pay-Per-View. Who remembers that? I remember covering this on my hotline, and I remember vividly some of my listeners bitching and complaining that when they got their cable bill the next month, they were still charged $9.95, and they had to fight with the cable company to get $9.94 of it back. And look, I've been doing this between the podcast and the hotline since 1997. And I remember clearly talking about NWA TNA before it debuted. And the number one problem that I saw, and I know a lot of others as well, is that they weren't offering anything for free. You know, WWE, you got Raw and SmackDown. Impact Wrestling, they have Impact Wrestling. AEW is going to have Wednesday Night Dynamite. WCW had Nitro, Thunder, Saturday Night, ECW. Everybody had a free show, hoping that it would get you to either buy the pay-per-view or now subscribe to a network. NWA TNA did not offer that. You either paid or you didn't watch or you got an illegal stream. So this was the closest that NWA TNA was going to give you a free sample, hoping that it would spark new subscribers. Unfortunately, it did not work. Now, the card itself was a best of. It was not a live event, and that was the smart thing to do. And they did do a lot of editing because you remember they had the X Division match where the belt fell and, you know, they, they cleaned it up. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. They wanted to showcase the creme de la creme, hoping people would spark buys. Now, let me give you the quick match results from that card, and I'll tell you the buy rate. Uh, for the ulti- the first ever Ultimate X match, you have Michael Shane beat Chris Sabin and Frankie Kazarian to win the, the X Division title. AJ Styles and Six Pac beat Jeff Jarrett and Sting. You had Jeff Jarrett retain the NWA heavyweight title, defeating Raven with Julio De Niro and Alexis Lurie in his corner, a very young Mickey James. For the NWA World Heavyweight title in the steel cage, AJ Styles over D'Lo Brown. You had AJ Styles beat, Je- see, a lot of AJ Styles on this card. They they knew back in 2003, they, they had a superstar on uh, in the making. AJ Styles over Jeff Jarrett and Raven in a uh, three-way to win the heavyweight title. We covered that on the History Show not too long ago. And America's Most Wanted over Triple X. Christopher Daniels and Neelix Skipper to win the tag titles. That also was in a steel cage. Um, plus, they were hyping up the following week, which was going to be a live event, hoping that they would get new subscribers. Unfortunately, 
The big match that they hyped up the following week was a hair versus hair match between Shane Douglas and Raven. And not only did Raven get his head shaved, which was nothing wrong with, but Shane Douglas vomited, if people remember. So that's what it was. And the pay-per-view buy rate, and look, this was meant to be free. They had to charge a penny because of the pay-per-view companies, but they only did 40,000 buys. 40,000. So if you want to say it in a comical way, that's $400 in revenue. And then you split it with the cable companies. It was not meant to, you know, have any revenues come from it. But the fact that only 40,000 fans bought that pay-per-view for a penny. And don't get me wrong. A lot of people at the time were very skeptical. Ah, there's got to be a catch. A lot of parents that would not allow their kids to buy wrestling pay-per-views. But my, it's only a penny. Look, I found a penny on the floor here. NWA. No, didn't work. Nice try. Nice idea. Did not work. What's up, everyone? Season 2, episode 36, This Week in Wrestling History. This week, we covered a period of September 3rd through September 9th. Let's get right into it. 1980, in Japan, Giant Baba over Harley Race to win the NWA heavyweight title. Uh, And Baba would lose the belt back to Harley Race about five days later, I believe. Harley Race had a lot of those. We talked about it with Dusty. You know, Race would lose the title after holding it for 18,000 years, and then he'd win the belt two, three days later, five days later. It was a repetitive thing. It was for the shock value, obviously, and it was, you know, the favor to Giant Baba, especially because they were in Japan. Pennsylvania, 1980, the Wild Samoans defeat Tony Gurria and Rene Goulet to win the vacant WWF tag titles. The titles were vacant because of showdown at Shea. When Pedro Morales and Backlund won the tag titles, but because Backlund was the heavyweight champion, he had to vacate one title, so he vacated the tag titles. Now, back then, again, you know, why would you even be fighting for a tag title if you knew you couldn't keep the belt? And, you know, if they wanted to turn Pedro Morales heel, that would have been the perfect opportunity to do so. If Pedro was pissed off that, the fuck I should I have this tag partner and I can't even keep my belt so anyway 1983 world-class championship wrestling in fact 83 84 and 87 they did their Star Wars events from Fort Worth Texas and as you see as the years go by the cards no disrespect intended for the wrestlers but the cards were uh, a lot less stellar as far as star quality and unfortunately, you know, you know the history while well, transpired with world class in the late 80s. Anyway, match results from 83, Iceman King Parsons over Buddy Roberts. In a lumberjack match, Bruiser Brody beats Kamala by DQ in a lumberjack match. Country whipping match, Kerry Von Erich over Michael P.S. Hayes. For the NWA American heavyweight title, Kerry, Kevin Von Erich beats Jimmy Garvin, however, by DQ, so the titles do not change hands. For the NWA Texas heavyweight title, best two out of three falls. David Von Erich retains, defeating Terry Gordy. Beat him two falls to one. And the world-class six-man tag team title match. The fabulous Freebirds, Buddy Roberts, Michael PSA's Terry Bam Bam Gordy. They retain, defeating the Von Erichs, David, Kerry, and Kevin. 1984, George Weingaroff over Kelly Kanitsky. 
for the world-class TV title, Chris Adams over Jake the Snake Roberts to win the belt. Buck Rock and Roll Zoomoff, Mr. Pedophile, and Jules Strongbow over Wild Bill Irwin and Scott Irwin. Michael P.S. Hayes over The Missing Link. Iceman King Parsons and Skip Young over Pretty Young Things. Coco Beware and Norvell Austin. You had for the NWA American heavyweight title, Gino Hernandez winning the title, defeating Mike Von Erich. No DQ spike match, Killer Khan over Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Killer Khan scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. When he would do those screams. Oh, man. One of my earliest memories being a wrestling fan as a child. Killer Khan scared the shit out of me. Always wanted to rip that little clump of hair off the top of his fucking head. I actually saw a guy probably, and look, he wasn't like he was a cancer survivor and he went through chemo. It looked like a, he looked like a low budget of Reno. You remember Reno from WCW? He had just, just one clump of hair, like, like a bad cartoon. You wanted to pick the guy up and just flow him, fly him across the room. Fuck, have a haircut like that. World-class six-man tag titles. Loser leaves town in a steel cage. You had the Cosmic Cowboys of Kerry Von Erich and Kevin Von Erich. They defeated the fabulous Freebirds of Buddy Roberts, Michael P.S. Hayes, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. So they are the new champions. And one comment to make, uh, 1984 as well. Uh, Black Saturday is pretty much a distant memory now. This week in 84, Championship Wrestling from Georgia returned to the WTBS studios. 1987 world-class Star Wars event, the spoiler over Tony Falk. Vince Apollo over Vic Steamboat. Tim Brooks over Al Madrill. Matt Bourne in the spoiler over Percy Pringle and Ted Arcidi. For the world-class Texas heavyweight title, Ted Arcidi retains, defeating Matt Bourne. For the tag titles, Sean Simpson and Steve Simpson over Eric Embry and Frankie Lagcaster to win the belts. For the Brass Knuckles title, Tony Atlas retains over Brian Adias. The world-class heavyweight title, Al Perez retains, defeating Kevin Von Erich. 1987, we had the WWF King of the Ring from Providence, Rhode Island. Matches in the first round, Haku over Brutus Beefcake, Rick Bartell over Dan Spivey, King Kong Bundy over the One Man Gang, S.T. Jones over Sika, Danny Davis over Tito Santana, the Junkyard Dog over Tama, Jim Brunzel over Ron Bass, and Macho Man Randy Savage over Nikolai Volkov. Now, quarterfinals, Rick Bartell and Haku fought to a 15-minute time limit draw, so they are out as a result, since King Kong Bundy beat S.T. Jones, Bundy gets a bye right into the finals. Danny Davis over the Junkyard Dog, by count out, and Macho Man Randy Savage over Jim Brunzel. Semi-final, you have Randy Savage over Danny Davis to, to advance to the final. As I said, King Kong Bundy is already in the final. And the King of the Ring tournament final, Macho Man defeats King Kong Bundy. Keep in mind... This was not the birth of the, ma the Macho King. He was still with Miss Elizabeth at the time. The Macho King did not uh, come around until 1989. Uh, one match that was not part of the tournament, Jake the Snake Roberts over the Honky Tonk Man. However, it was by DQ, so Honky Tonk retains the Intercontinental Championship. 
We're going to start some audio clips in a moment, and it ain't stopping for the rest of the show. 1990, Class of the Champions 12, Fall Brawl 90, Mountain Madness. You know, these names used to be oh, many, too many words. But uh, This was a big deal because at the time it was a record audience tuning in to TBS, almost 3 million homes, and it would be the most watched uh, wrestling show on TBS until Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan fought Class of the Champions 28 which we covered last month. Match results, the Southern Boys of, uh, of Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong over the Freebirds of Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. Mike Rotundo over Buddy Landell. The Master Blasters, Iron and Steel over Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. The Nasty Boys over Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. Tommy Rich over Bill Irwin. Susan Sexton over Bambi. The Steiners over Maximum Overdrive of Tim Hunt and Jeff Warner. Stan Hansen over Tom Zink. Lex Luger over Ric Flair by DQ to retain the NWA United States title. In the main event, Sting over the Black Scorpion to retain the NWA heavyweight title. After the match, the Black Scorpion trolled Sting. I know we have shared highlights in the past. Another Black Scorpion comes out. Uh, is he the Black Scorpion? Is he the Black Scorpion? Now, the one who wrestled Sting that night was actually Al Perez under a mask. And as you already know, as the Black Scorpion storyline would advance, the physique of the Black Scorpion changed tremendously. And in the end, it would be revealed that Ric Flair was under the mask and he was the one. Remember 1986? 1991. This week in 91, the NWA finally strips Ric Flair of the World Heavyweight Championship. You remember we covered it recently. Ric Flair left WCW in July of 91. NWA would still acknowledge Flair as their heavyweight champion. WCW obviously had to crown a new heavyweight champion. And for the last couple of weeks, Bobby Heenan on WWF TV has been showing the title and hyping up the debut of the real world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair. Now, look, I'm not going to get into all the history with Flair and the belt, why he's still adding this and that, but just one quick point to make. Ric Flair, you know, put a deposit down to NWA. He had the belt. All he wanted was his deposit back with interest. NWA said no, so Ric Flair refused to give the title back. Obviously, it would result in a little bit of controversy and threats of legal action, which is why you started to see the belt pixelated. And then Flair won the WWF title and, you know, everything is history. But it was this week in 91 that the NWA finally stripped Flair of the title. And probably the reason why they chose this week is because this week as well, Ric Flair made his televised debut. Now, he had already had two matches uh, that were pre-recorded. One was against Jim Powers. That was his first match. Uh, and the second one was supposed to be against Mark Thomas. But obviously, there was a little bit of an incident. And I'm going to share with you now just a little montage of what went down with Ric Flair in the WWF this week in 91. And um, just to give you a little prelude of what you're going to hear. First off, it was uh, Primetime Wrestling, I believe it was. Was it Primetime Wrestling? I think it was. 
where Bobby Heenan introduced Ric Flair to the WWF audience. If you ever watch that clip, just pay attention to the fans sitting in the crowd. It seems like everybody is over the age of 40 and they have these goofy looks on their face. You could tell that they didn't, they were just plants. <laughs> uh, it was, it was funny. You just pay attention to the crowd. You see what I'm talking about. Then you will hear the debut match of Ric Flair versus Jim Powers. Little promo. Then you'll hear the incident that took place between Ric Flair and Roddy Piper before uh, Flair's match against Mark Thomas. And you know, a little other tidbit that a lot of people forget as well. During the segment with Flair and Piper. Um, now, I'm not going to play the whole thing because there's no commentary. All you hear is yelling and screaming in the fans. But the funny thing about it is this was the first time ever that Vince McMahon would get physical in any type of incident. And Vince McMahon would be hit with a chair and he was, quote unquote, knocked out, taken out on a stretcher. They really dramatized it. But the funny thing is, is as they're uh, carrying Vince out on a stretcher, fans are laughing. And it, it was pretty fucking funny to see. But this was the first time that they had Vince McMahon get physical in a segment. So sit back, relax, enjoy, reminisce. 1991, Ric Flair arrives in the WWF. Everything's got to run smooth tonight. The real world champion Ric Flair's on my show. He's going to be coming through you, sir. Don't touch that belt, you nitwit. Sit down, do something. Hey, guys, keep busy, keep busy. Ric Flair's on my program tonight. The real world's champion. You got it? Let's go. Let's get a tie that matches. What are you doing? You still working here? You're fired. Come on, come on. This way, this way, this way. Hey, hey. What are you, down that Hulk Hogan 900 number again? Or are you calling Dial-A-Date? Get to work, do something. And you get a haircut. Drop that ponytail. Don't you own a dress? Who dresses you, the state? Put that sweater on, cover your up, sump up someplace. I'm a little nervous tonight. I want to get things to be right. Nice hat, pulled down over your face. It's a very important night. Be busy, do something. Come on, dummy, come on. Now, it's time. Live and in living color. The greatest world's heavyweight champion in the history of this great sport. And it's my pleasure to introduce, you got it, the real world's champion, Rick Flair. First of all, let me get to a guy by the name of Roddy Piper. Because Piper, before I get wound up on Hogan, you and I got a little short bit of business to take care of. In my absence, the greatest mind in our sport brought my World Heavyweight Championship trophy out on national television. Not to be braggadocious, not to show off, but merely to let the world know that the real world's heavyweight champion was going to be coming to the WWF. Well, lo and behold, did you think it wasn't going to happen? Did you think the greatest mind in this sport would walk out here with $75,000 worth of pure gold and blow smoke? Well, if you did, you were wrong. So Roddy Piper, when you took off those earphones, 
and walked from behind that desk with your cute little skirt on and walked over and spit on this and grabbed him. You put yourself in permanent retirement because now, Piper, <laughs> you got to wrestle the real world's heavyweight champion. And if you're honest with yourself, you know, Piper, you know, Piper, what the real deal is all about. What are you going to do the first time you see Mr. Piper? What? Right across the face. I'm going to hit you so hard, Piper, your skirt's going to fall to your ankles. <laughs> and then what are you going to do? Who are you going to spit on laying on your back, Hot Rod? Now. Excuse me, Eric. I think you should mention about how many times, how many years you challenged Hulk Hogan. Well, Unanswered. For 10 years, it's been two names, Hogan and Flair. Hogan, the WWF champion, Ric Flair, the world, the real world's heavyweight champion. Well, now... They don't know any better. They will. Now, let's bring this down to something that Hogan will have to understand. You don't ignore this. My name's Ric Flair, and I'm gonna burst that bubble, big man. And henceforth, big man, Hogan, wherever you walk, in any major airport, in any department store, in any hotel lobby, the question is gonna be in your face from everyone. Can you beat Ric Flair? You're gonna have to wrestle him, Hulk. I mean, Hulk, you're our hero. You're the man. And Hogan, that's when you're going to have to look inside. You're going to have to say to yourself, well, yeah, am I? I don't know. Well, I know! I'm Ric Flair! And I'm the real world champion. I know! How about that, brain? I guess what I'm saying is, Hogan, put up or shut up. Hulkster, another starring role in Suburban Command. What do you mean? Wait. Wait for what? I want to make sure she gets the introduction right. Don't, don't blow it. Listen, listen now. She says anything wrong, I'll slap those ball teeth right out of her mouth. Oh, by the way, 
you better listen. I got a little surprise oh, for everybody. Earlier on, we had a chance to look at that gaudy piece of metal. I'm Ric Flair, and I'm the real world's heavyweight champion. Here in the WWF, to take on anybody that doesn't believe it. That goes for you, Piper, and especially you, Hulk Hogan. He, he picked on the two baddest guys here, Brain. And don't forget this Monday night, my guests on primetime, not only the Warlord Slick and the Nasty Boys, but Rowdy Roddy Piper. And I'm going to ask you what it feels like to get worked over by the real world champion, Ric Flair. You mean to get blindsided, don't you? Worked over, blindsided. Oh. There. there it is, the figure oh, four. Slapped it on. Ring the bell, ring the bell. quick audio tidbits from this week in 91 we had one wrestler who was an established star in the wwf they decided to repackage him and uh i'll let you hear it for yourself 
In order to excel to the heights I wish to attain in the World Wrestling Federation, I know there is something I must do. I must return to my native land. I must stand before my peers. I must look into the eye of the bull. I must come as close as possible to the menacing wreck of forms. I must know the thrill of the charge of the 2,000 pound beast. I must hear the adulation of my fans. I will become the very best I can be in the World Wrestling Federation. I will become El Matador. Arriba, let's do it. And this week we had Sergeant Slaughter. Shortly after SummerSlam, the match made in hell, Hogan, Warrior, Adnan, Mustafa, Slaughter, well, WWF wanted to turn Slaughter back to a babyface. So we started getting these vignettes of Sergeant Slaughter having a, a change of view, literally begging the fans for forgiveness, and he wanted his country back. There's only one lady in my life, and her name is Liberty. She stood as the gateway to America, the beacon of hope and the light of freedom. She was here for the tired. She was here for the poor. She was here for the huddled masses who yearn to breathe free. And now she's here for me because I, Sergeant Slaughter, know what it's like to be without friends. I know what it's like to be without my family. And I know what it's like to be without our country. So I swear to you, in her name, I will help carry the torch for everything this great country stands for. And in the shadow of liberty, I say to you, I want my country back. Wrapping up 1991, WWF had King of the Ring from Providence, Rhode Island. First round matches, Jerry Sags over Hawk by DQ. Ted DiBiase and Ricky Steamboat fought to a 15-minute time limit draw. So with both being eliminated, Jerry Sags will advance automatically to the semifinals. You had Jim Duggan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan over Brian Knobs, IRS over the Berserker, Bret Hart over Pete Doherty, Skinner over Virgil, Sid Justice over the Warlord, and The Undertaker over Animal. Quarterfinals, IRS over Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Bret Hart over Skinner, The Undertaker, and Sid Justice fought to a double DQ. So as a result, Bret Hart advances to the finals. Semi-final match, IRS over Jerry Sags, and in the King of the Ring final, Bret Hart defeats IRS to become the 1991 King of the Ring. Match that aired that was not part of the tournament, the Beverly Brothers over the Bushwhackers. 1995, WCW debuts Nitro. Now, look, you have heard 10,000 interviews over the years. WWF has that beautiful, WWE has that beautiful Monday Night War anthology. 
So there's not really much I can give you that you haven't heard already. I searched a whole bunch of interviews, watched Luger, Bischoff, WWF, Jim Ross, others, Austin, down the line. And I decided to settle on a nice little clip. It only runs about four and a half minutes. And it's Eric Bischoff with Conrad Thompson from 83 Weeks talking about the debut of Nitro, the logistics, and most importantly, Lex Luger's appearance, because that is probably the moment more than anything else that people always remember, other than, you know, the debut and Postamania and all this other shit. So let's flash back 1995 when Lex Luger arrived on Monday Nitro, and you'll hear Eric Bischoff speak on Luger. Because remember, originally Bischoff did not want to sign Luger and bring him back to WCW. But he decided to do so, and to this day, feels he hit a home run. Lex Luger walks out. Look, I had a lot riding on this. I didn't really want to sign Lex Luger. Sting actually convinced me to do it. I wasn't really sure how it was going to work out, but I knew one thing, and that's that WWE thought he was under contract. The audience thought he was under contract, and I knew at least for a night Having Lex Luger show up on Nitro was going to be a big damn deal, but we had to work really hard to keep it quiet because the dirt sheets, you know, they were all over the place. And the minute you tried to surprise anybody with anything, it would be all over the Internet or all over the dirt sheets or whatever uh, it was at that time. And we really wanted to make it work. So Lex flew himself to Minneapolis put himself up in a separate hotel, and we didn't bring him over to the building until right before that appearance. If I've ever taken a chance on anybody or anything that probably paid off, you know, and got a return on the investment as quickly and as substantially uh, as Lex Luger did, I can't, I can't think of it. I mean, he really did. He overdelivered. He said he would do everything he, could, he, he, he would do. He was easier to work with than almost anybody on the roster. He really worked hard at it because Lex at that time, he was an arrogant prick. And he was tough to deal with. And he kind of knew that. He didn't want to be that way. It's just that's the way he came off. It wasn't like he walked around with a chip on his shoulder trying to piss people off. He wasn't like that. But he was aloof. He was standoffish. And he looked the way he looked. And he, he didn't spend a lot of time communicating with people that he wasn't really close to. And that generally comes off as arrogant and, and, and unfriendly. That was his rap. And he knew it, and he worked really hard to overcome that, and he did. It, it, it only took me a couple months before I realized that Steve was right, Sting was right, in that bringing him, bringing him in, not just because of this moment, because this moment, to, you know, to Lex Luger's credit, and to Steve's, and to mine to a degree, we put a lot into this. And that moment set the tone for Nitro. You hear people talk all the time about, you know, they drop buzzwords like they know what the frick they're talking about when it comes to television. You know, must-see TV and water cooler talk and that kind of thing. But when when we brought Lex out there, and it was by design, again, based on the research. I'm going to finish my point a little while ago. 
Brad Siegel really emphasized the need to do a lot of focus groups and research and find out what the hell the audience really wanted. Not just talking in our own little WCW echo chamber and, you know, interviewing WCW fans because that only gives you a small glimpse of the world. But we we did focus groups in major cities around the United States. We did, I don't know how many of them, maybe eight or ten of them. And one of the consistent themes that we kept hearing out of each one of those focus groups is that wrestlers wanted, wrestling fans wanted to see the unexpected. They wanted to be surprised. And we knew that Lex coming in would be a huge surprise. It certainly was to Pat Patterson and, and Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard over in WWF. We've heard their side of the story. It's pretty funny. I know I've, you know, people are probably sick of hearing me say this stuff, and I'm, I get sick of hearing myself, believe it or not. But again, when Ted mandated that we launched Nitro on TNT, again, that was his idea, not my idea. I just had to execute it. I knew that we were really up against a lot. The WWF was number one by about 300 light years. We were a, a distant, almost non-existent number two in terms of the wrestling audience, you know, the wrestling fans. And I knew, and this was intuitively, you know, this is just instinct, common sense for me. I knew that if I tried to go out and copy or replicate or do something similar to the WWE, I'd get crucified. So I, one of the first things I knew right off the bat is I had to be as different from the WWE as I could be. And everything that you see about Nitro from this night on, September 4th, 1995, everything that we did with Nitro started out with the premise of how can it be different than what we see on WWE. And some of it is obviously the same. It's wrestling. We didn't want to try to change the nature of the product, but we definitely wanted to find every possible opportunity to change the way we presented the product. And I think this is for for a kickoff show. I think you know we knocked this out of the park. Hogan firing away on Big Bubba. Big Bubba hooks the right leg, comes up with the right of his own, and an uppercut to the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Take over now. Take over. I don't know who's boss. Bubba with knee lifts in the midsection. Hug is in trouble. Big trouble. Looks like the Bears. Let me ask you a question, Bobby Hernia. Is this not the best action you have ever seen on wrestling on television? You've never been out with the Kowalski twins, have you? Big Bubba now taking the world heavyweight champion into the corner. Bounces his head off that top turnbuckle. Hogan's in a lot of trouble because this big man is going to spell. That away, Hogan. It was luck. That was luck there. Hogan fires away with right hands. Coming off the ropes. Oh, this could be it. This could be it. Side slam. Don't waste any time. Go for it. One, two, and a kick out by the world heavyweight champion. He will not be denied. happened before. He hears the human noise. He gets that red and yellow going in his veins. He hears them screaming and yelling, and there it is. He puts the brakes on. Hulkamania's alive. Nothing can hurt that man. It's amazing. That's but, the oh! He had the knock. Big oh! Right across the chin. One, two, three. He got it. Somebody call 
explosive, dangerous, and everything you want. It just doesn't get any bigger or any better than this. Oh, what is this? Oh, get oh, what yeah. is this? What is this? Get him out of here! Hulk Hogan, surrounded by the Dungeon of Doom. He's cleaning my hands on the premier edition. I don't know what's going on, Hulk Hogan. What are you doing here, Luger? You've got no business in my backyard, Luger. Well, let me tell you why I'm here. I'll make it clear right up front. I'm here for one reason and one reason only. People say that you're the number one wrestler in the world today. You wear that WCW belt around your waist. And you know what? That makes you the only world's heavyweight champion and i'm here to take that belt that's why i'm here let me tell you something over second before you jump the gun no. hold on just one second and let me finish then you'll have your peace just let me finish i've been down the same roads as you i've been where you've been i've beaten the same people you've beaten i am sick and tired of playing around with kids I'm here to get it on with the big boys, and that means you. And I don't care whether it's next month, next year, or five oh, years from now, oh, oh, I'm gonna get oh, my oh, shot. You see this, brother? This is the WCW Heavyweight title, brother. I'm the champion, and that's the way it's gonna stay forever and a day. I know where you've been, brother. You've been playing games. I'm gonna have to give you your due, brother. I know when you started and how long you've been at it, brother. But when you come in the WCW, when you get in Hulk Hogan's face, brother, there's thousands of Hulkamaniacs, brother, that are going to stand behind me each and every bit of the way, Luger. So as far as I'm concerned, brother, as great as you may be, you don't have to prove nothing to me, brother. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till next month. Just stick that stinky palm of yours out, brother. Shake my hand, and I'll put the WCW title on the line next Monday on Monday Nitro, right in Miami. I'll put the title the no, WCW. Sir, got it. Hey, you got it. You got it. What about that? I'm hitting a home run. You better be Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it. Apparently next Monday, yes, 
finish off Steve McMichael, the brain. I can hardly wait till next Sunday in the meantime. From the Mall of America, have a great one. I should also point out that that was the debut of Steve Mongo McMichael in WCW, commentary later wrestling. And, you know, I know looking back on it, a lot of you out there weren't fans of his commentary or his wrestling. I always never had a problem with it. And trust me, I got 20 plus years of hotlines and podcasts to back me up on that. But, you know, at that time, it was a big deal. A lot of newspapers covered the signing of Mongo to WCW. But it took place in the Mall of America. They debuted Hogan's restaurant in there as well, that Pasta Mania. And we only had four matches that night. One was a dark match, which was the American Males over Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. The three matches that we saw on TV was Flying Brian over Juice and Thunder Lager, Sting over Ric Flair to retain the U.S. title, and Hogan over Big Bubba Rogers to retain the heavyweight title. But uh, it was a good night. Good night to be a wrestling fan. 1996, Shawn Michaels appears in Playgirl magazine, not nude, you know, a couple of photos, you know, again, not nude, but, you know, he's showing off his physique. The interview that they did with him is so goddamn long, and I have the full interview. Um, I don't own that edition of Playgirl. I mean, I did, did, the article is online. If anybody wants to read the interview, by all means, email me, contact me on Twitter, which is probably the easiest way to reach me. And I'll send you the link and you can read it. You know, look, it's Playgirl magazine. It's meant to arouse women. So a lot of the interview talks about, you know, his sexual prowess, what he wants in a woman, relationships. You know, it's a cookie cutter interview. Um, it's in, it's entertaining. Don't get me wrong, but it is long. I mean, I originally wanted to read you like, the Q&A from this interview, but it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But uh, there are some funny moments in there. But again, if you want to see it, by all means, feel free to contact me and uh, I'll send you the link. Same week, WWF has Friday Night Raw. Now, we talked about this last week, that it had to be preempted because of the USA Network having other programming. But one particular moment that happened on that show, you know, not even a match, just a little comment that Jim Ross said in passing that had a lot of us saying, wait, wait, what? What did he just say? It was so nonchalant at the time. But right after that, I remember Blackjack Brown, big shout out to him. Good guy. Right in the Daily News, Blackjack Brown, scoop on blah, 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 blah. You'll hear it in a moment. Every dirt sheet, every hotline ran with it, just wanting to talk about it. I started my hotline in 97. I wish I would have started in 96. I would have had so much fun as this went down in real time. But 1996, Friday Night Raw, Jim Ross makes a little announcement. Welcome back to USA's Championship Friday. Mankind and Paul Bear together. JR, the thought of it still sickens me. It all happened at SummerSlam during the brutal boiler room brawl when Paul Bear turned his back on The Undertaker. After six years together, now the unholy alliance of Paul Bear and Mankind has been formed. And for those of you that don't know, The 
this week. The Undertaker just released from the hospital today, and we know that the Undertaker is scheduled to compete on Raw this Monday night. Yes, indeed, JR. He'll face the undefeated Salvatore Sincere as Raw returns this Monday at 8.57, 7.57 Central. Mankind here with Alex the Pug Porteau. And JR, was that the scoop you were talking about? Well, no, it's not, Kevin. The, the breaking story we talked about earlier in the program that I really believe will be the biggest story of the year in the World Wrestling Federation is this. Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy, Razor Ramon, are on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. I have that on very good authority from some very reliable sources. Unbelievable news, JR. What a huge story that would be. Mankind and Alex the Pug Porteau doing battle here in the squared circle. Mankind very aggressive. Coming off the ropes. He drives Porteau down with an elbow. JR, can you repeat that again? I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Well, the, my sources tell me, and they're very reliable sources. I've had them for years, and that is the fact that Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy Razor Ramon are without a doubt on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. Wow. Now, obviously, it would be the fake Diesel, Glenn Jacobs, the fake Razor Ramon, Rick Brockner. And, uh, yeah, Jim Ross would turn heel for a little while. But uh, when we first heard that, we were like, wait, what? That was uh, interesting. The payoff was not good, though. And it was a little unfair to Rick Brockner and Glenn Jacobs because they were going into a situation that would have been almost impossible to get over with the crowd. Obviously, it was meant to troll fans and troll WCW and troll Hall and Nash. But, uh, you know, if you've never heard the interviews from Hall and Nash talking about how they got a little bit of a better deal in their contract because of all of this, go seek it out. It's pretty funny. Now, two other things happened this week in 96 that I think is very, very important for Hall, Nash, and the NWO. Now, remember, the NWO is pretty new. It is new. And you have Jim Ross trolling the wrestling world and WWF trolling the wrestling world, making it sound like that Hall and Nash are on their way back to the WWF. Well, very, very quietly, two vignettes aired on Monday Nitro this week in 96. One was the launch of a certain T-shirt that ended up being probably the biggest selling shirt in WCW history. And the second was just a simple promo hyping up Ted DiBiase joining the NWO. And during that promo, Scott Hall said two words that I think uh, people still say to this day in so many different ways, you know, just, just in passing. And nobody ever brings this up online, this particular segment. But first, let's talk about the little vignette hyping up the launch of the NWO t-shirt. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You want to kick butt like the NWO? You're either with us or against us. you got to be wearing the official t-shirt. Buy that shirt! All proceeds will go to the Ric Flair Retirement Fund. The preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Now we have the vignette hyping up Ted DiBiase and the NWO, teasing who's going to be a fifth member. And again, Scott Hall, just in passing, talking about if you're in NWO, you're in NWO for life. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. 
the demise of the WCW. <laughs> First day. Easy. We're not here for a stinking reason, man. We got a boss with us. Ted DiBiase. This is the boss. Ted DiBiase has more money than Ted Turner. He makes Ted Turner look like a popper. Hey, this is his belt. We've already established who we are. I'm the world's champion, not the WCW world's champion. We've already established how powerful we are. Sure, we hit, then we split. I'll be the man! We've taken on our best, and there it is. Will you guys back me up? We got your belt. New world order. World heavyweight championship belt. It's the rule of the street, right? You're tagging, it's up. Hey, what about our fifth guy? I warned everybody. He did such a great job. Nobody believed, number one, who the fifth guy was when they saw him. I said. Next week, he's coming. The NWO has shaken the WCW to its foundation. Oh, they're rattled. Whether you like it or you don't like it, the NWO's here to stay. I've learned to love it. It wasn't like it was a big surprise. Change is inevitable. If you don't like that, you can stick. They want us so bad. They have agreed to this match. The question is, just how bad do you want the NWO? You know, this just didn't happen, man. They don't even know who they're gonna face. Ted DiBiase, the master plan. It's been around for a long time. I've done this before, man. I stuck it to him, right in the back. Feels good, doesn't it, guys? Doesn't it <laughs> feel good? Don't you think they would've saw it coming? I mean, we're just now unloading on you, you know? It's a battle plan. You go in and you create confusion and chaos. They want us. In that cage. Well, what do we get? First of all, our own segment on their show. We don't pay for time. Then, we want our own uh, tag team tournament. NWO. Tag team champion. We have our own segment. We highlight our talent. We beat you. You pay the bill. Hey, you know what I think? Ah. From now on, we're going to turn it like this because it's NWO for life. <laughs> <laughs> the preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. 1997 WWF In Your House Ground Zero from Louisville, Kentucky. Brian Pillman over Goldust. Brian Christopher over Scott Putsky. Savia Vega over Crush and Farouk in a triple threat. Max Mini over El Torito. This was uh, a four-way elimination match for the vacant WWF tag titles. It was the Headbangers winning the belts, defeating the Godwins, the Legion of Doom, and Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. Bret Hart over the Patriot to retain the WWF heavyweight title. Main event, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker ended in a no contest. Now, look, there was a whole bunch of interference. Rick Rude, China, Triple H... A bunch of referees getting knocked out. And, um, you know, it was just a big clusterfuck. Now, two things to point out. Number one, even though Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had been in the WWF for over seven years now, this was the first time that they ever faced each other one-on-one -on, -one on television. Did not know that. Second thing is, after what went down, at In Your House. This would lead to the infamous Hell in a Cell match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker that took place at Bad Blood, which we will cover in the near future. Wrapping up 1997, Stephen Dunn beats Doomsday 
to win the USWA Southern Heavyweight title. The reason why I mention it is Stephen Dunn would be the last man to hold that belt. Company would fold a couple of months later. 1999, look, I'm going to share the audio, but I'm bringing this up because go watch the video. I still laugh my ass off to this day. At this time, they're doing the GTV segments, and this one featured Big Show and Val Venus in the men's room taking a leak and just, you could envision, you could just picture what you're seeing. Funny, funny shit. I, I left my ass off when I saw this. <laughs> they call you the big show? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, look at that! I guess he is the big show! Good lord! And he washes his hands too! What the heck's gonna happen next? Well, we actually have a lot to cover this week in 99. Holy shit. All right. Clip number two. The first ever hardcore match between two women on Monday Night Raw took place this week in 1999. I have always put this over. It's not a good match at all. But the iron spot did it for me. Fucking epic. This week in 99 on Monday Night Raw for the hardcore title. It was Ivory versus Tori. Tori in the first ever WWF Women's Hardcore match. Aren't you the least little bit worried this is going to get out of hand? Do I look like I'm worried? Please, Terry, you know me better than that. Actually, I'm looking quite forward to rearranging that skank's face against the nearest concrete wall. <laughs> uh, I could already think of great uh, weapons here. The dressing room, even. That would make some good eyewash, wouldn't it? Ooh. Really gets the red out, if you know what I mean. Look out! Oh, my God! Tori! Tori, I'm talking oh, ivory! Tori, that's enough! Come on! Get caught! Hey, stop it! Tori's mouth out with soap. 
Hundreds of the fifth color though. What's your color? Skanking up. Uh oh, watch your top. Watch. About to lose top. Tori has been blinded by that shampoo or soap in the eyes. King, I've never seen anything like this in my life. A hardcore, hardcore women's match. I'm almost speechless. Oh, man. Man, these, these two women are just trying to tear each other apart. How much more will their anatomies take? A lot, I hope, a long time. I hope it goes a long, long time. What do we have here? Oh, we have some boys. Have some what? Hey, I want you to meet my pal Ivory. We're in the middle of the Partition into the more than men's locker rooms. Tori has regained the advantage here in this hardcore women's title match. JR, I'm almost speechless. Man, I'll tell you what, where else but raw are you going to see anything like this? We're really getting raw here. Look at this nice. Oh, WWF title is at stake. Let's not forget that. Now this is hardcore matchup. Are you rearranging the face the way you like it? Uh -huh. Oh, Ivory face first. Oh Watch the tape. The cover to near fall. Now Tori a count away from becoming the WWF Women's Champion. This is unbelievable. Look out. Quite frankly, these women are just beating the hell out of each other. Oh, and with the baby, let's watch your legs. What's Ivory doing? Wait a minute, she's getting the mirror, JR! Look out! Oh, God! Ivory just broke the mirror right over and, and Tori's head and Tori's barefooted. She may have glass in her feet. Get out of here! Oh, what about the Good grief! Yeah. Ivory has won this match. Come on. Women's Wrestling Federation Champion is Ivory! Anyway, what's she doing now? Come on, gotta... Come on that's it, Ivory. Extension cord on that iron. Come on, Ivory, get it off. Oh my gosh! Come on! What, what the hell's going on here? Ivory, come on, get it off. Ah! Oh, no. Good God! No! That's a, come on. That was a, I cannot believe that Ivory just burned. Ivory, oh God almighty! That's, that's hideous! Ivory has burned Tory! Continuing with 1999, same week. Now, we talked recently about Howard Finkel, you know, challenging Lillian Garcia, just over the top, acting like a heel. WWF teased that a couple of years earlier. It wasn't Lillian Garcia that he was fucking with. I don't even think she was even in the company yet. But this time around, this week in 99, Howard Finkel challenges Tony Chimmel to a tuxedo match. Hey, King, as we said before, there's hey, wait, only wait, one. Wait. What is this? Wait a minute now. That's ringing out to that Tony Chimmel, and, and it's Howard Finkel. Chimmel, 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 Chimmel. My goodness, we meet again, don't we? Last week, you humiliated me like I've never been humiliated before. Don't stand for it. And this week, I have a little proposal for you, my friend. One that I'm sure you will not 
refuse. Wait a minute. Don't tell me Howard's going to propose. see what you're wearing? You see what I'm wearing? It's a tuxedo. It's the tool of the trade. It's what ring announcers wear. However, my challenge to you, Chimmel, is simple. A challenge to a tuxedo match. And also, pal, I'll add a little stipulation to this, okay? If I win the, whoa, whoa, whoa. When I win this match, I will resume what is rightfully mine in this ring, doing what I know best, ring announcing. So what do you think, Chimmel? Howard, I don't know who sent you back here, but why don't you just go back to the dressing room, all right? Chimmel's afraid. King Jericho has to think brainwash. Chimmel's afraid. Jericho's gotten into Howard Finkel's well, head. If you don't want to take the challenge up and you want me to leave, I guess I have no choice. I want you to save face there, pal. Done deal. No problem. What? How about the Fink? Wait a minute! Yeah. And Finkel with a forearm from behind, and here oh, we go with a tuxedo match! This is great! Tear it off! Really good! Oh. A sleeve already off the tuxedo with Tony Chimmel and Howard Finkel. Oh, what else is gonna come off, though? I'll tell you. I, I, I shuddered at oh, that. No. And Chimmel's taking down Finkel now. And here Chimmel goes. Hey, wait, wait, it off. Hey, put the boots to him. And there's Chris Jericho. He's Jericho in the backstage area looking on. He's got confidence in Howard. He knows that Howard will come out on top of this. King, you know, Howard Finkel's starving for attention. He's just like a kid. No one's paid attention to Howard. He's been in this company what 20 years. And he feels he's being ignored. Chris Jericho's the only one paying hey, any attention to Howard. And Tony Chimmel, now look at Jericho laughing. That don't matter. I mean, Jericho, he's, he's, he's still no. Howard's got, Howard's got him right where he wants him. Get up, Howard. Right where he wants him. Hey, he ripped the sleeve off. Well, Chimmel's got the tuck shirt off, the suspenders, and the t-shirt's about to follow. And can you imagine Howard and his skeevies? Oh, man. Howard Finkel asked for it. Okay. Oh, no, oh, no, wait a minute, the plans. That's enough, Chimmel. Chimmel, That's you win. Enough. That's enough. You win. He's got a red underwear. <laughs> red underwear. Red underpants. <laughs> Tony Chimmel humiliated oh, oh, and embarrassed no, Howard Finkel. Oh, no. I think I see a skid mark on those. <laughs> Look at his underwear. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Howard Finkel has been stripped oh! to his red underwear, and Tony Chimmel rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, that'll leave a mark, Howard. And Chris Jericho's enjoying himself backstage. Did you say rubbing salt in the womb? In the wound. Oh, oh this is sad. Get out of there, Howard. You know, Chris Jericho, come on now. Look at Howard looks like this a... This is enough. Howard looks like a beached whale. Well, Tony Chimmel wins the tuxedo match. And finally, for WWF this week in 1999, we had the Big Show and The Undertaker take on The Rock and Mankind in a tag team Buried Alive match. I don't even know if anybody out there remembers that WWF had a tag team Buried Alive match. It was for the WWF tag titles. Remember, recently the Rock and Sock connection was created and they won the belts. Well, this week in 99, they're defending the titles against Big Show and Undertaker in a Buried Alive match. Look at this feat of strength. Oh, I've never 
seen anything like it. He must have tossed him 50 feet. Oh! How the hell is Mankind still walking? And now he's, he's, he's walking, he's shoveling dirt. If Mankind can bury the big show, as you see the Rockin' Undertaker going at it backstage. Oh my gosh. And look at this now. Undertaker doesn't realize his partner's in that grave. Taker, Taker, the big show's being buried. Wait a minute. Came from, from behind. Triple H. Triple H blindsiding the Rock from behind. And Undertaker's gonna leave Rock there. And look at Triple H. And ambush from behind on the Rock. And there's Kane, Kane, Kane. Kane getting his revenge on Triple H. Oh my gosh. After that sledgehammer attack earlier tonight. China, China now. Tear to the back of Kane. It didn't even phase the big red machine. Oh my God. China's in trouble. Yeah, China. China's in deep trouble. And Kane is after China. Get away. And Mankind continues, continues to bury the big show. And here's The Undertaker now. The Phenom is out. Mankind doesn't see him. And the Phenom with the right hand. Oh my gosh. What else is gonna happen tonight on SmackDown? The big show is up and out of the grave. The Rock has been taken apart in the backstage area oh, by yeah. Triple H. Ooh. And Undertaker with a shovel. Mankind can't get up from that. There's no way. He is again. Oh, my God. How did he do it? And Undertaker again hammering away on Mankind. And the fans chanting for the people's champion. That'll do it. Wait a minute. And you see inside the grave now, Mankind. And the big show now with a, a boot to the back. King, how is Mankind still walking? Stay down, you idiot. Be buried, rest in peace. Undertaker now begins the process of shoveling dirt. But again, Mankind. And now Big Show going to work on Mankind inside that, that, that grave. All right, get up. And Undertaker calling the Big Show, shouting at him, yelling at him to get out of the grave. He's smothering, he's smothering Mankind, getting face down in that grave. And the Undertaker just told Big Show to do it. Huh? Well, he can shovel more dirt than the Undertaker, I guess. I don't know. And the Big Show now is burying mankind alive. Can you imagine that, that cold, dark dirt being thrown on your lifeless body? If Big Show can bury mankind here, folks, we'll have new tag team champions as Undertaker now. Where's he going? And there's Rock! Oh, no! Rock is back! is back! The Rock! What else can we have in this match? And now the Phenom. Hammering away on the Rock again. What a war this has been. It's the first ever barrel live tag match and I think we almost have new tag team champions. Wait a minute! What is he doing now? Triple H! Sledgehammer! What? Look out! Oh my! To the back of the skull of the Big Show! Triple H just leveled the Big Show! And now Triple H is gonna bury mankind! What is Triple H doing? I don't get it! He's the WWF Champion! He attacked Rock! He attacked Big Show! Kane, now mankind! The Champion is burying mankind alive! I don't think there's much left of him! He's almost completely covered! Wait! There's not much left of the Big Show either, King. The referee's calling for the bell. The referee and calls for the bell. Mankind is buried. Well, mankind's buried, so does that mean we have new, I guess we have new 
audience. But wait. Well, there's no disqualification in this type of matchup. You just have to bury your opponent, but... The winners of this match and new what? World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, The Big Show and The Undertaker. Well, I'll just tell you this, Michael Cole, The Big Show sure doesn't look like a winner right now, but let's face it, mankind is buried alive! It was Triple H with a sledgehammer to the back of the head, and now he's burying mankind alive. And what is Triple H's agenda? What is he trying to prove? He attacked The Rock, Kane, earlier tonight. Uh-oh, look out! He clubbed Big Show with a sledgehammer, and now he's burying mankind alive. And let's take another look at this shot. To the back of the head of Big Show. Oh, God. pounds of dirt can he have on mankind and now they're bringing in the paramedics the ambulance here obviously to help out mankind well, and the big show. because mankind will be completely smothered triple h with that sledgehammer to the big show looking down at his fallen victim mankind's been buried alive in that grave and triple h continues to celebrate unbelievable Who's he gonna put, who is Triple H gonna put into the ambulance? Is it gonna be the Big Show? I, I don't think you'll dig mankind out of there. He's the WWF champion. What else can he prove? It's Austin! The Rattlesnake is here! Stone Cold is here! Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the ambulance! And Triple H, he's gonna get his now! Triple H is gonna get his now!
Now we go to WCW, and unfortunately, a lot of it is wrestle crap. You know, just the way they booked it. First off, they put Virgil in with the West Texas Rednecks. Now, look, I'm not saying that blacks can't be Texas Rednecks. I don't mean it like that. But there was nothing about Virgil that you kind of felt like Southern Texas Redneck category. Yeah, I always put over JT Smith and ECW as a full-blooded Italian. So, you know, I can't be hypocritical there. But it just didn't work. I mean, you looked at Henning, you looked at Wyndham, you looked at the other Wyndham. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. It just felt like they had nothing for Virgil. So that I was put him with the West Texas Rednecks. That's what it felt like. And he, remember his name, he was Curly Bill, Curly Bill. So that was one thing. But then this week also, they had a match. It's not a big deal, but just to go to show you like how some of this sometimes is just absolutely dopey. Keep in mind, this, I believe, was the last week with Eric Bischoff at the helm in WCW. Yes, he would return many months later. But after this week, I think he was done as far as booking WCW. So this week on Nitro, they do this deal. It's a battle royal. And basically, the battle royal will lead to two men who are going to face each other later on in the night. And the winner of that match will go on to fight the following week for the WCW World Heavyweight title. Now, let me uh, let... WCW give you the confusing rules of all the participants in this match. Fans, right before the break, we saw in the back how Luger and Sting were in Hogan's dressing room. The lights went out. We heard the pounding. Someone was severely beaten, and that some person is Sting, and, and everybody's blaming everybody else. What? Everybody's standing in there with their hands, their palms straight up in the air, and Sting is out cold. Somebody on the floor. did it, obviously. Oh, of course. Somebody, somebody did a number on him, and I'd like to know who. Man. Fans, I tell you, Sting, we're going to get you an update on the condition of Sting. He's got six days of his biggest match ever. Who was the man who attacked Sting? I have Hogan an idea. Hogan says Luger, Luger says Hogan, pointing at Bret Hart in the back. We well, may I, never figure this out. I think they're all liars. I don't think you can trust anybody in that room. But you know this as well as I do. Somebody called Cox Stinger, and he's out. He is out, fans. He is out cold in the back. We will stay in touch with this scenario, this situation all Hello. night long. Wait, I'm hearing something. All right, you listen to that. As he listens to that, we're going to show you this, the rules for this upcoming 12-man battle royal. Now, the last man standing, there are actually going to be two men standing, we understand, are going to receive a world title match next week. 
There will be two men left in the ring, and those two men, we understand, are going to come back later. The rest, first four men thrown over the top rope are going to be eliminated from any competition. The next six men eliminated will wrestle against each other later tonight in singles matches based on their order of elimination. The final two men, as we said, will fight for a shot at the world title next week, regardless of who wins the fall brawl main event. So the two last men standing will come back later for a match. They will collide, and that winner will go on to get a world title shot in one week they'd either sting or it'd be at either Hulk Hogan so there you're confusing rules so here are the participants one group of four Chris Benoit Dean Malenko Perry Saturn and Shane Douglas group number two Hugh Morris Jerry Flynn Brian Knobs and the Barbarian group number three Vincent aka Curly Bill Barry Windham Kendall Windham and Kern Hedding so here is what went down in the Battle Royal. Remember, over the top of the floor, you get eliminated in this. This 12-man Battle Royal to ultimately determine what one man will get a chance at the world title next week in Chapel Hill on Monday Night Show Live here on TNT. I mean, you talk about a tough Battle Royal. These are probably... The toughest men you're going to find right here at WCW, all in the ring at once. And they're all going for the big one. Of the 12 men, obviously, four men from each team. Of the first family of the Rednecks. And, of course, of the Revolution. Boy, it'd be hard to pick a winner in this one. I'd hate to have money riding on it. Because it could go anyway. Shatter goes over and helps Chris Benoit. He stops the attempt that time of Brian Knobs. Jimmy 
So now, later on in the night, we have Chris Benoit versus Dean Malenko. They're going to face off with the winner getting a world title shot next week on Nitro. Here's the closing moments of what went down. The winner of this match, as you know, the two men left in our earlier battle royal, will go on to next week's program live at Chapel Hill and will get a shot at the world heavyweight title. The world champion by next Monday could be still Hulk Hogan. It could be Sting. And now the two close members of the revolution will put it all on the line. And we anticipate a great matchup here on TNT. Charles Robinson assigned for this one. And Benoit and Malenko, both very similar styles here. That They're very aggressive. They're both offensive-minded. They don't like to wait on someone to put a hold on them. They like to put it on their opponent, as you can see right there. Counter move by Malenko. Malenko takes him down. Counter move by Benoit. And a stalemate in the first 45 seconds of this matchup. And as they look at each other, you can just see the respect they have for each other. Now, what I would do if I was Malenko or Benoit was back him into the corner. He's my partner. He's part of the revolution. And then take my thumb and just run it as far as I could right in his eye. Well, everybody has their own way as Malenko tried to cover and get a quick win. Swatted away there by Benoit. But think about this, Brain, as once again, neither man can get an advantage. Malenko and Benoit, think of how many world heavyweight title shots they've received over the last year. Can't count many, can you? No. So this could be, even though Benoit is the U.S. champ, even though he has a big title defense against Sid Vicious on Sunday, which he will not put out of his mind, he keeps that in the back of his mind, this could be one of the biggest matches for either man. Because a lot of times, through whatever it may be, politics or rankings or whatever, Malenko or Benoit would normally not really get a, a world title shot. This is what the revolution has been wanting. One, two, they've been wanting their chance. And now, two men are fighting out for it. A two count on the other way. Look at Malenko. Two that way. Benoit pins him that way. But he can't keep him down. Amazing turn of events. And the fans applaud. Oh, up here. They appreciate that. They appreciate these men are out there busting their tails. That's what they're doing. They are working hard for the moment that the revolution talked about. Getting their just rewards. For all their hard work. Who's going to prevail? Who's going to be the man to go on Ooh. to face the world champion next Monday? That time, good move by Malenko. He held on to him, brought him back into the ring, but it was Benoit who got the advantage. Boy, this is a classic wrestler's match, isn't it? Certainly is. Holds, moves, counter moves. Arm drag takedowns, sunset flips. You'll see it all. And a lot of respect as you can see just the way. Oh, oh my. How about that one? That was out of left field. Oof. But like you said, Brain, you got to do what it takes to get that big prize. You get a shot at the big prize. If you don't do it, someone will do it to you. One of these men will get a shot at the big prize next Monday. And next Monday, you'll find out information how you can get a shot at the big money prize of $1 million. Look at this. $1 million bucks, and temperatures starting to come apart right now. Toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I'm sure they wouldn't have it either or any other way, either man. $1 million bucks. Covered it? No, sir. One count. Malenko quickly out. The object, obviously, to win the match.
match, and that's what Benoit tried to do in a split second there, but Malenko was up to the task as he kicked out in only a one count. They are going at it here. No steam taken out at all. They are still hitting each other. the matches that took place later on, those four matches as a result of the Battle Royal, and you think about Benoit and Malenko fighting, ending up in a no contest, so neither man goes on to fight next week. Now, at the time, it was just, they were just shitted on beyond belief. And the following week, they needed to make a decision. So what did they do? They had Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit wrestle each other again and Benoit would win. But for some reason, Benoit no longer fought for the World Heavyweight title. He fought for um, Rick Steiner's belt, I believe. What was it? U.S. title? I think it was the U.S. title. So it was just, it was a whole bunch of waste. <laughs> it took up so much of Nitro, and it ended up with almost nothing. I mean, look, Benoit won a title, but the whole idea of it was to give someone, oh, and another thing, they were hyping up the idea that WCWs would be giving away a million dollars in the near future. And I'm just warning you, if you ever watch that episode of Nitro this week in 99, be prepared to hear about it 8,000 times during the night. It was really annoying. I mean, it was just out of control. So 2000. Monday Night Raw, we had Eddie Guerrero beat China and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match to win the Intercontinental Championship. Same week, Rhino beat Kid Cash to win the ECW TV title. The reason why I mention that is he beat the last man to hold the TV title, 
because ECW would shut down, unfortunately, not too long after. 2001, last week, Steve Austin threw Kurt Angle's medals in the river. Kurt Angle this week had a little revenge. Big Brother misunderstanding and I didn't mean to steal. What? <clears throat> what? Come on, Austin. Beg. Beg for me. All right. I'm sorry it was a big misunderstanding. I didn't mean to take your gold medal. You, I know they mean what? more. I know they mean more to you what? than anything. I know they mean more to you than anything in the world. And I'm so stupid of me to take your gold medal. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're pathetic. You are pathetic. Well, let me try again. I'm so sorry that I took your gold medals, man. Shut it up. Was, Shut up. Since you're so pathetic at begging, I want you to cry. Cry for me, Austin. Cry. Come on. Cry, Austin. I can't cry. Cry, Austin. I, I can't cry. Cry. I'll, I'll cry. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so. You're pathetic. You're a joke. Come on, Austin, cry. Come on, come on, cry, Austin. You're kidding me. What? I mean to piss you off. What? I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I'm such a jackass. I'm sorry. Listen, hey, listen. I'll tell you what, Austin. You are really pathetic. But there's one thing. I want more than anything. Even more than my Olympic gold medals. I want a return match for the WWF title. You got it. What? You got it. If you want to return, you got it. I want more than that. I want a date. And I want a place. Just name it. What? I said name it. Will you want me to beg again, cry again? Name a day if you got it. I want Pittsburgh, PA, my hometown, and Unforgiven. 
Okay. What? Okay. You got it all. WWF tile. Where? Pittsburgh, PA. When? Unforgiven. What? Pittsburgh, PA, Unforgiven. I've given you what you want. Take these, God. Take these chains off and let me go. I give you what you want. You know what, Austin? I give you what you want. Let me go. All right, all right. Hey, I got what I wanted. You did. But you know what, Austin? What? You're still going in the water. Oh, what? Same week, we had a heel turn. We had a split from one of the most popular tag teams in WWF history. And I tell you, man, you go back and you look at that chair shot. It is fucking brutal. It is so brutal that uh, I know these two individuals have talked about it on their podcast several times in the past. Four man left half Boston Crab. It could be over. We may be a heartbeat or two away from this tapping out in his hometown here. And those ropes are so far away. It's reaching with all he's got. And Lance Hart pulling in. But what damage has been done to the knee as Lance continues to kick away at the, at the injured knee of Edge? I would speculate significant damage. And oh, the reversal, the nice roll up, and Lance got it. Oh, what a counter! Here is
this is too much. This is... You don't know. You don't want to... And wrapping up 2001, we had a match on SmackDown. It was Steven Richards versus The Undertaker. And during that match, we would have a debut of a tag team. Now, both of these wrestlers wrestled in WWF in the past, but they were not as together as part of this tag team. And uh, I tell you, I, I think back to my hotline days, I don't know if anybody was really excited about this team in WWF, for some reason in WCW, they seemed really cool. But in the WWF, I don't know, they just look goofy. They just look like Jersey Shore rejects that you just wanted to see chair bashed beyond belief. So anyway, I don't want to give any more of it away. Let's flash back. 2001 SmackDown, Steven Richards versus The Undertaker. David Richards in the ring. Many people are wondering why I Steven kicked The Undertaker last night on Raw. Many people are wondering why I even challenged The Undertaker to a match tonight. Many people believe that I am crazy for challenging The Undertaker tonight. Well, I have one thing to say to The Undertaker. I hate you! It was your fault that the right to censor disbanded. It was your fault that my own brothers and sister turned on me. And even though each and every one of you people out there do not have faith in Stephen Richards. I most certainly do. So Undertaker, come out here and get some. Strong words from Stephen Richards.
now. <laughs> as far as I know, you know, not for nothing, as far as I know, Stephen Richards isn't a part of the alliance. I really don't care what Undertaker does, but I think it's going to be cool to see someone get, you know, beat up. That's well, cool. Stephen Richards is the chihuahua, so to speak, in the Undertaker's yard. Remember, the Undertaker's the big dog in that place. No doubt, that is that man's yard, and Taker. Stephen Richards. Yeah, Stephen Richards taking off out of the ring. The Undertaker in pursuit of Stephen Richards. Taking his head right there. Boom. He is not Alliance material, Stephen Richards. Just by running away like that's not Alliance style. Undertaker again in pursuit. I think the Undertaker's had enough right here. What happened to Stephen Richards' courage? Yeah, he's a big man now with a steel chair. Red two of them, bro. He's <laughs> like 10 chance this guy. Undertaker not intimidated by that steel chair. And he's just standing there saying, let's get it on, Mr. Richards. Boom. With Stephen Richards, Stephen Cole, Taker last night, it was the death blow. Right, man, here comes Undertaker. Despite the fact Richards has a steel chair in hand, Undertaker in pursuit of that steel ramp. Taker, Undertaker walking slowly with a mission. Well, Richards is running out of room. Stephen Richards just tossed the chair down. still one of my favorite moments in Brock Lesnar's career. It's funny because you go online and there's all of these lists because people want to get, you know, attention to them. They uh, worst moment in Brock Lesnar's career, things that WWE does not want you to ever see ever again. And blah, 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 blah. They did a storyline where Zach Gowan was in a wheelchair and Brock Lesnar basically, you know, cut one of his best promos at the time. 
and then pushes Zach Gowans down a flight of stairs. And, oh, my God, how could you do that to the one-man person? It was a goddamn stunt double. It was a fucking stunt double. But people got so triggered, especially now they see it. How dare WWE do something like that? Unbelievable. But let's flash back 2003, Brock Lesnar, Zach Gowan. Ah, mindgasm. Kurt Angle will be defending the title against the number one contender, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar and Angle, wow. Number one contender. Well, this will not be an ordinary championship match. Oh, no, this will be a one-hour Iron Man match. Wow. For the first time ever in SmackDown history. Whoever scores the most falls in one hour will undoubtedly be the champion. And as I look into my crystal ball, I would now like to introduce you to the man who will be victorious in that match. Ladies and gentlemen, Brock Lesnar. Come on out, Brock. Don't be playing hide and seek on me. Where are you, Brock? Brock. <coughs> Vince. Up here, buddy. Hey. Hey, hey look, it's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> How you doing, Big Show? How are you? Hey, Brock, I, I got a question for you. Earlier tonight, you were in Stephanie McMahon's office taking care of some business. Yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. kind of business was that? Let me tell you something, Vince. First of all, I want to thank you, okay? I want to thank you for slapping me and reminding me of who I am. A monster, Vince. And I proved it when I came out there and took care of Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. Very impressive. Yeah. And before that, remember when you told me that uh, a certain somebody, sit down. You tapped out. That's what this crowd's chanting here. Yeah, 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 that happened two weeks ago, so forget about it. As I was telling you, Vince, you told me today when we had a little uh, meeting, a certain somebody had to be here today or else you were going to fire him. And when I was in that room, I did a little reminiscing with that certain somebody. The certain somebody that paid us a visit, Vince. Yeah, well, a, a, a certain somebody that that has defied many odds, Vince. Our own, our own Zachary Gowan. What? <laughs> oh my God, he was sitting on him. <laughs> How you doing, Zach? How are you, buddy? Get over here. Get over here. How are you, Zach? Oh, you're not talking today, huh? You're not talking, huh? You not say anything? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Let me sit back. Let me ask you a few questions, Zachary. 
How's your leg doing, buddy? How is it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, wait a minute. I, even from way down here, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a special wheelchair. No, that's no, not no. an ordinary wheelchair. Yeah, it's not an ordinary wheelchair, Vince. Get over Get over oh, What? What? What kind is it, Brock? I mean, what kind of wheelchair is that? This, uh, this wheelchair, Vince. <laughs> you see, I got some friends down here. This is a special wheelchair, Vince. It's a very fast wheelchair, you see. It's, it's jet-powered. It's got afterburners and everything, Vince. Wow. That's right, it does, Zach. Fuel it injection? Does. Are you calling me a liar? <laughs> That's right. You see... Excuse me for a minute, Vince, because uh, well, I got some business I got to attend well, before to. I, before you leave us, I mean, I, I'm just wondering whether or not this is the night that Zach Gowan regrets ever signing his WWE contract. Oh, yes, it is, Vince. You see, it is you that has brought the monster out in me. And it's me that's going to prove it. <laughs> Have a good night, Brock, wherever you guys are going. There you have it. Brock Lesnar is, uh, I guess maybe assisting is the word, sort of assisting Zach Gallen uh, back someplace. I don't have any idea where he's going. At least I don't think I do. But nonetheless, let's hear it for a true athlete. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Watch your legs, Get over here. 
Come here. What's the matter? Your leg hurt? Does it hurt? I like it, Zach. I like it. Vince wants to slap me to see the who, who. He wants to see a monster. Don't move, all right? Now. Now. Come here. Was it hurt right there? chair. Why is it a magical chair, you ask? Because it flies, Zach. It flies. That's why. That's why, Zach. I don't get over here. Come here, Zach. Come here, buddy. Come here. Get up. Sit down. Come here. Look at him. You done messed with the wrong human being, boy. <laughs> huh? Here, wait. I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to make it easier on you. You don't have to feel it. You don't even have to feel it. I'm going to choke you out so you don't even know. So you don't even know. As I mentioned earlier, this week in 03, NWA TNA had their penny pay-per-view. Another card that I want to mention that wasn't bad. It really wasn't. I actually saw this back then, not live and in person, but on video. And it's a pretty cool card. Ring of Honor in 2003 had an event called Beating the Odds. Took place in Wakefield, Massachusetts. Match results, Colt Cabana over Jimmy Rave in a Field of Honor tournament match. Another tournament match, Matt Stryker over John Walters. Slick Wagner Brown over Diablo Santiago. The Backseat Boys over the Ring Crew Express, the SAT, and Special K in the Tag Team Scramble. The Carnage Crew over Special K. Mark Briscoe over BJ Whipner. Homicide over Trent Acid in a Fight Without Honor match. Jay Briscoe over AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and Chris Sabin in a four-corner survival match. In the main event, in a clockwork orange House of Fun match, Raven defeats CM Punk. 2005, TNA announces they have signed Gail Kim. Same week, WWE tapes their first Friday Night SmackDown episode. And I tell you, man, you look back on it, 
That rating, the lowest in the show's history, a 1.9. And yeah, maybe some fans forgot that they were going to be on Friday, so they didn't tune in. And it makes you wonder when they debut on Fox on Friday in 2019 if it's going to happen again. 2007, TNA has their No Surrender pay-per-view from Orlando, Florida. This week I did not like. Not just TNA, but WWE as well. Uh, we'll we'll have a clip from each in a moment. First, let me point out that Kurt Angle had all the belts. Remember, winner take all. So Kurt Angle wrestled three times on this card, defending all his titles. One title we'll leave out for a moment. But first, the match results from No Surrender. Ryan over James Storm. Robert Roode over Kaz. For the X Division Championship, Jay Lethal wins the belt, defeating Kurt Angle. You had Chris Harris over Black Rain in an ODQ match. In a 10-team tag team gauntlet match, turn a TNA World Tag Team Championship match at the Bound for Glory pay-per-view. AJ Styles and Tomko win the gauntlet. Christian Cage over Samoa Joe. The main event was Kurt Angle retaining the TNA World Heavyweight title, defeating Abyss. After the match, Judas Maceus cut a hole in the ring, pulled Abyss underneath, and their feud commenced. But another match that happened that night, to me, it's probably number two of my most hated matches in TNA history. The first one was the Jenna Maraska match, obviously, but I have always criticized TNA for signing Adam Pacman Jones. Granted, I don't think they realized all the limitations that they would have, but the fact that they would even offer a deal to this guy and the guy working in there, well, this was his in-ring debut. It was Team Pacman of Adam Pacman Jones and Ron the Truth Killings. They teamed up to take on the TNA Tag Team Champions of Kurt Angle and Sting. And this is what went down. Pac-Man Jones deciding that he doesn't want to start off this match and both Pac-Man and the truth out on the apron. I have to question, while Team Pac-Man was bragging about tagging the big dogs, Sting and Angle, in my mind, those actions may have really bonded Sting and Angle because we know that they are in revenge mode. I don't know if that was a little bait and switch right at the beginning there where Pac-Man kind of sets it off to throw the dream team off or whether maybe he got a little cold feet and the plan was for him to start it off. I don't know. I couldn't quite tell by the body language of the truth, but I do know this. The two-time former world champion has got his hands full out there and man, Sting looks ready. Oh, he sure does. The deep arm drag takes Killings over. Extension of the legs with the drop kick that's on target. But check out the truth. Lips up to his feet, immediately met by a right hand to Sting Dexon. And look at Truth going over there to tag Pac-Man. And you can see Pac-Man's waving him off. Waving him off. I mean, you see guy. He said he wanted to be the greatest team player in sports. And he's waving him off. He said, when I come to TNA, I will prove that I am the greatest team sport athlete who's ever lived. You gotta tag your partner in if you wanna prove that, don't you? Oh, the crowd's letting them have it right there as they know. 
And Pac-Man Jones, I think this is one of those situations where, yeah, he sure has faced the odds on the football field. But there's nothing like getting stuck in that six-sided ring, having to face your opponent one-on-one, -on -one, man on man and realizing the caliber of opponents in Sting in the court, Kurt Angle. Just what I was going to mention, Don, you're right. I think that may have an awful lot to do with it. The belly-to-belly, -belly, overhead released, and the immediate cover by Angle on the truth leads to a near fall. Run the truth killings just need the British. My gosh, Roger Chip Killings right now just wants to get some sort of a breather. If Pac-Man could just go in there and hold him off, I think the truth knows he's going to have to do most of it out there, but he's not getting any help at all from Adam Pac-Man Jones. Close-up look at Truth and Pac-Man shows me as we see Angle in pursuit, chasing Pac-Man around the six-sided ring, uh -huh. but then the Truth unleashes the offense on the Olympic gold medal. Well, good combination right there that makes you wonder. I mean, number one, Kurt Angle is bit of an athlete you are. You're not going to catch the fastest man in the NFL. And he went more, he bent, and Robinson Killings was waiting for him, and now he's got the momentum, Mike. Killings in control. Takes Angle up to his shoulder. Running power slam. Just took Angle. Drove him down to the canvas, and he gets a two-count. This is the chance right here, and this is what Team Pac-Man's going to have to do. They're going to have to find a, a door to open and steal it. Get right in really quick. It's not going to The longer this goes, it's advantage dream team, no matter how you look at it, Mike. Truth with the sleeper hole. Neutralizing angle. Keeping him grounded. Down on the mat. Flat on his back, as you see at this point. And Karen Angle coming down the ramp. How many times the screen have to tell the Angle family that he does not want to Karen Angle out here at ringside and animated Karen Angle right in the face of the icon stage. Well, Sting knows it's going to be nothing but a distraction. He knows that all Karen Angle's... And look at this. Now she's trying to get in the middle. Now she walks away wisely, which is a good move. Double team move. Oh, here she is again. But wait a minute. Again, Sting drops down to the floor. Oh, look at this now. She's so, she knows what a big night it is for her husband, but she's taking the wrong approach here, Mike.
Tag Team Champions. Unbelievable, Mike. TNA definitely succeeded in getting attention to themselves by having a guy win a tag team title with no wrestling experience and didn't do anything in a match other than a pin. But the idea of going forth with this decision, knowing that this guy cannot wrestle, was pathetic. It was pathetic. I hated it. Same week, TNA releases Andrew Martin, a.k.a. Test, God rest his soul. Uh, obviously, you know, looked really, really inflated would probably be the right way to put it. As I said on pre- recent episode, there's a footage online of him at a indie wrestling show two months before, and he looked fine. I mean, what he did to his body in that two months, unheard of. I never ever saw that much of a transformation in two months. Then he started, you know, the down spiral, dr- charged with driving under the influence a few times and you know, he would retire from in-ring competition less than a year later. Uh, same week as well for Impact, they signed Rikishi. Uh, he would only be there for a couple of weeks. Paid dispute, did not stay. And when I said that I did not like what went down this week in the WWE as well, uh, Monday Night Raw, Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, Remember the whole paternity? Remember Vince McMahon came back? You know, they did the limousine thing and then the Benoit tragedy, so they had to bring Vince back. And the night they brought him back, he got served with a paternity lawsuit. Well, we know to this day all the stories that it was supposed to be Mr. Kennedy, who was Vince's son. But they decided to go a different way. And I fucking hated it. What are these men? One of these men is privileged to be my bastard son who will claim the name of McMahon. We've been waiting, surely I've been waiting long enough to find out so this attorney, whatever your name is, Johnson, Jackson, which one of these men is my son? Uh-oh. Which one is my... Mr. McMahon, in accordance with my client's wishes, before I disclose who your son is, my client has a series of messages of who your son is not. Your illegitimate son is not extreme. All right, well, that would mean, I assume that would mean anyone who is extreme, anyone who's ECW, you're out. Sorry, but out, out. ECW's out. CM Punk. You too. Out. And a champ, CM Punk. And thank God it's not Balls Mahoney. Out. Could have been you. Hey, Tommy. That's a rather rowdy looking bunch anyhow. I'm very happy my son is not, not extreme. Although, quite frankly, sometimes I've been known to be a little Once extreme. Once in a while. Time to time. Uh, so my son is uh, not extreme. Then uh, who would my son be there, Mr. Johnson? Your son has a fondness for gold. 
I think that means your son is a champion? Aren't anyone who is a current champion or a former champion, you stay. The rest of you, take off. My son is a champion. I'm sort of liking this now. We're whittling this thing down. Hacksaw Jim Duggan is old enough to be my father. Oh. We're narrowing it down, sir. Look at this. Champions all. Yeah. All right, so uh, since we're playing along with this little riddle game here, what's our next clue? Your son's skin is fair. My son's skin? You mean my son is Caucasian? I mean, you mean you mean my son is Caucasian? Well, that would mean uh, if you're not Caucasian, uh, then leave. Mark Henry. I'm sorry, no, I don't make the rules around here, okay? Go blame it on that woman. Don't blame it on me. Al Sharpton just exhaled. Coach, we've already established you're not my son. You can stay. All right, my son uh, is Caucasian. He's fair. All right, so uh, what else? I have, but before you guys, I, before we get our next clue, everybody get in the ring. Come on, everybody get in the ring. Uh oh, oh yeah. group hub, family reunion, dysfunctional family reunion, perhaps. Oh my gosh, look, there's Kane over there. <laughs> Your son's skin is fair, as is his hair. My son's skin is fair as is his hair. Um, you're not qualified, unfortunately. Uh, that would mean anyone who has blonde hair, I suppose, can stay. And those who have dark hair are not my son. I'm sorry, Jamie. I, I can see. No. No. Matt Hardy eliminated. Sorry. I, I don't think so. No. Not Randy Orton either. Uh, I told you before, Kennedy may be from Green Bay, but he's been suspended for impersonating a McMahon. <laughs> All right, uh, you want to help me out here, uh, Professor? We're narrowing it down now. What? Individual. Well, you're saying that my, my son is a, he's Caucasian, blonde hair, champion, but is he, you're saying he is individual gold or tag team gold, which is it? Who, does my son have individual gold? Is that what you're telling me?
Damn it, talk to me! Yes. Individual. Sorry, gentlemen. Not Kate, not Kate or Murdoch. Where are the cable guys safe? Get her done. Look. I hope we're Murdoch. All I, Who's left? all I can say is that Lord. two out of the three here could be disastrous for me. So, uh, Mr. Uh, Johnson, who is my bastard son? One final clue. Your son loves to play the game. you're my son, then that means that you and... I don't like this any more than you do, all right? Something's wrong with this. This is not right. I, this is not right. Your son, Mr. McMahon, does indeed love to play the game. Whether that game be hide-and-seek, horseshoes, or as seen last Friday night on SmackDown, marbles. Stop talking in riddles! Who's my son? Things are looking up, Mr. McMahon, but not for you, for your son. Hornswoggle. WWE has the Unforgiven pay-per-view from Cleveland, Ohio. Now, give you a little uh, details on this pay-per-view. They did a championship scramble match. It was a 20-minute match with participants entering the match at five-minute intervals. Now, uh, it's false count anywhere. Anyone could become an intern champion at the time. 
during the match. But when the match is over, whoever is the champion is the champion. So we had an ECW scramble, a WWE scramble, and a World Heavyweight Championship scramble. So, dark match, Evan Bourne over John Morrison. For the ECW championship, now remember, the person pinned didn't necessarily have to be the interim champion. So here we go. Chavo Guerrero pins Matt Hardy. He's the interim champion. Matt Hardy pins Chavito. Mark Henry pins Chavito. Finley pins Matt Hardy, but in the end, Matt Hardy had pinned The Miz, so Matt Hardy is your ECW champion. For the World Tag Team titles, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, they retained defeating Crime Time. In an unsanctioned match, Shawn Michaels over Chris Jericho by referee stoppage. The championship scramble match for the WWE title, we had Jeff Hardy beat Brian Kendrick, so Jeff Hardy was the interim champ. The Brian Kendrick over Jeff Hardy. Now, none of these, I should also point out, none of these title changes, I believe, are on record. Because I don't recall anybody ever saying the Brian Kendrick is a one-time WWE champion. So, whoever is champion in the end, that is the official champion. I should point that out. Anyway, Jeff Hardy over Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick over Jeff Hardy. Triple H over Brian Kendrick. Jeff Hardy over MVP. Triple H over Brian Kendrick. Jeff Hardy over Brian Kendrick. But in the end, Triple H pins MVP. Triple H is your WWE champion. For the Divas title, Michelle McCool retains defeating Maris. And the championship scramble for the vacant world heavyweight title. You had Kane over JBL. Batista over Kane. But in the end, Chris Jericho defeats Kane. What happened was Batista gave a spine buster to Kane and Batista was about to pin Kane, but Chris Jericho covered him instead. Chris Jericho is your world heavyweight champion. Same week, the wrestler wins the Golden Lion for best pitcher at the Venice Film Festival. I know a lot of you may never have heard about the Venice Film Festival. It's a pretty big deal. It's been around for about 50 years. But, uh, you know, the wrestler was being heavily, heavily acclaimed as being a, a just a top-notch film at the time. Um, I watched it. I wasn't a big fan of the movie at first, but as the years gone by, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. 2009, Ring of Honor announces that Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson uh, signed with the WWE. And as history would tell, Brian Danielson made it to the WWE. Nigel McGuinness did not. Failed the physical. Um, he would sign with TNA. But uh, WWE would not allow him to perform. It's good that he's in the company now, albeit in a commentary role. And he's pretty damn good in commentary. I should also point that out. 2009, look, a lot of us never liked the special guest hosts that would host Raw. This one was an exception, though. And I can't believe it's this many years already. It was this week in 2009 that Bob Barker, hosted Monday Night Raw, and we had the infamous The Price is Raw episode. Uh, let's flash back a couple of clips from that night. Hilarious. Chris Jericho especially. Here it comes. Television's most exciting two hours of fantastic prizes. The fabulous Price is Raw. And now, please welcome the 
star of The Price is Wrong, a broadcasting legend, 19-time Emmy Award winner, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Priceless Memories, your guest host, Bob Fortner! reception tells me we are really going to party tonight. Oh, I do thank you. You are my kind of people, I can tell that. You, you are the folks, you are the folks who have kept me working in television for more than a half a century, and I love you for it. Wow. Thank you, Bob. If it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for people like you, I would have had to go out and get a job. <laughs> but tonight, tonight I have the job of playing a pricing game for you. And as you well know from having watched the show over the years, to play a pricing game, I have to have contestants. And we have, we have a fine announcer named Howard Finkel. And Howard, will you get me four contestants, please? Will do, Bob. Santino Morello. time. 
because he knows that he's getting more camera time. He wants everybody to know he's here. All right, Chris, get down there. Now, now we want to find out what are they going to bid on? Please, Howard. Bob, it's the best of SmackDown, 10th anniversary DVD. <laughs> the best of SmackDown, 10th anniversary. There we are. Three disc set features matches, highlights, and the countdown of the top 100 greatest moments in SmackDown history. The DVD comes out September 15th, but it could be yours right now if the price is wrong. Now, I am going to give each of you a bid on that DVD, and the one of you who bids nearest to the actual retail price, without going over, will win it. Now, audience, you help them with their bids all you want. Give them advice, good or bad. And we're going to start with you, Santino. What do you bid on the DVD? <laughs> Tell me, Santino. I'm so, I cannot believe this. I'm it's a big true. fan, Roberto. What, um, what do you, what I do you bid? I would like to actually buy a vowel, please. Oh you want a vowel? You've been body slammed too many times. What do you mean a vowel? That's the wrong show. There's no Vanna White here. There's no, there's no Pat Sajak here. There are no vowels here. Give me a bid on that DVD. Help the man. I'm not very good with numbers, so. How much, Santino? Um, $1,465. American style dollars. $1,465 on a DVD? I don't think he's overbid, do you? <laughs> Jillian, you can do better than that. What do you bid? You can sing, sing your bid. Sing your bid for him. Okay, Bob. Um, Give me your bid in music. Go ahead. $75 for Jillian. Which brings me to you, IRS. What do you think? Does this bid include taxes? Does this include taxes? Let's not even think about taxes. Well, no taxes. Well, well, wait a minute, Bob. Everybody has to think about paying taxes. Well, I, I know, but that, we're not here to discuss that. This right. isn't a town hall meeting. This is Price is Right. What do you bid? Well, let me do this. I bid $50, and that includes the taxes. You're including the taxes. His bid is $50. And now, Chris, happy boy, what do you bid? Chris, are you awake? He's in a hypnotic state down there. Give me your bid. Uh-oh, he's headed this way. Chris. It's down there that you bid. Chris, I want your bid. I need the fourth bid to go on here. What do you have to say? What do you bid? You know, Chris, your mother would not be proud of you the way you're behaving. You do know that. First of all, now Nobody. Wait. The man talks. He's actually speaking. What did you say? What did you say? Please. He's pouting. He's pouting. 
I told him that his mother would not be proud. He's being naughty, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. You watch your mouth, Barker. Let me explain something to you. Yeah. Do you understand? Let me explain something to you, Go old right man. Ahead. Go right ahead. Nobody calls me Chris. No, what do no. they call you? You need to I show me respect. Yeah. I have been, I'm respectfully asking for your bid. Don't boo, I think it encourages you. You need to call me Mr. Jericho. I do. Yes, you do. You need to pander to me and show Why? me respect Why? because I am the best in the world well, at what I do. That's debatable, I'm sure. I'm sure the audience would agree. And I am one half. One, one. Did one. you hear that? Yeah, I'm I heard one the half. number one. I'm one. That's your bid. No. One, oh. one. Get off the stage. <laughs> Down there you go. Yeah, that is your bid. You may not. That is your bid. Get down there. Get, pick up your ta name tag now and be a good boy. I'm going to have to take you over my knee. Get down there. Get down there. His bid is one dollar. Now we are proceeding. We are proceeding. The actual retail price is eighteen ninety, and believe it or not, Chris Jericho wins with his one dollar bid. He wins. Much to the dismay of the audience, Chris, get out there and get in that ring. You've won the DVD, and we're going to give you a chance to win another prize, aren't we, Howard? Yes, we are, Bob. A fabulous trip to Hawaii! Get up in the ring. It's a romantic trip to Hawaii. Enjoy first-class round trip tickets for two from Chicago to Honolulu. While in Hawaii, you'll stay for five nights in a beautiful Polynesian-style suite overlooking famous Waikiki Beach. Enjoy sightseeing, snorkeling, and a beachside authentic Hawaiian luau. Aloha! And into the ring, please, Chris. In that ring tonight, if you defeat your opponent, you're on your way to beautiful Hawaii. And tonight, your opponent is this gentleman. Uh-oh. Same week, Jeff Hardy on the way out with WWE. A lot of substance abuse issues. Well, it was this week of 2009 that SmackDown opens up with Jeff Hardy's music. We think Jeff Hardy's going to come out. A wrestler does come out with face paint and an outfit, and we realize almost immediately that it's CM Punk. CM Punk dressed as Jeff Hardy. Fans were not liking it. It was funny when they panned the crowd and they just panned women and a couple of kids, and they were all... There was one mother. She, she looked like she was ready to punch CM Punk in the mouth. It was funny. But CM Punk's promo that followed... I think very controversial. Oh. Did you expect somebody else? Well, he's gone. So like a junkie waiting for his or her next fix, I suggest you all soak this up while you can because this is the last time 
you will ever see a trace of Jeff Hardy here on Friday Night SmackDown ever again. And that means no more ridiculous face paint. That means no more stupid armbands. And it certainly means no more excuses. Now that the charismatic enabler is gone, I can see it on your faces. You're all wondering if his living in the moment life of excess was the answer. And the clear answer is it wasn't. See, I know you're all not strong enough to be like me. I see it every day. I know how completely weak all of you people really are. But now at least you all have a champion you can be proud of. A straight edge world heavyweight champion. Now that Jeff's gone, I'm the only one that's strong enough to reach out to you and pull you up from your downward spiraling life. I certainly won't ever miss a show because of an incident at an airport. I certainly won't ever skip a WrestleMania because I failed a test. Unlike Jeff, I'm built to last and I am here to stay. So if you're gonna emulate any WWE superstar, the choice is extremely clear. It's the choice of a new generation. And his name is CM Punk. And then there's The Undertaker, who is a legend. But he is no longer the solitary icon here on SmackDown. I am the only back-to-back -back Money in the Bank winner. I am the man that retired Jeff Hardy. And I'm the first and only straight-edge world heavyweight champion. So if The Undertaker at any moment wants to come down here and test my breaking point, well, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for the lights to go out and for him to appear before my magical eyes. In fact, I know The Undertaker's here right now. So, yeah. So Undertaker, if you want to come down here and face me man to man, like I said, I'll be waiting. See, ladies and gentlemen, The Undertaker knows it's not in his best interest to face me in the ring, man to man. He would rather lurk in the shadows and play psychological games, which is what you people fall for every single time. See, all it takes is a couple of mirrors and some smoke to make you all believers. And smoke being the operative word. You know, I can, I can imagine you all sitting on your couch 
vegging out, smoking your illegal substances, hanging on the Undertaker's every magical trick, ooing and eyeing at all his spooky powers. But what the Undertaker fails to realize is that unlike you people, my mind is clear and strong. It hasn't been polluted with barbiturates and poison like beer and cigarettes. So at breaking point, there's not going to be any time for games or tricks. It's going to be two icons in the ring, face to face in a fight to the finish. And I love that. I love it because The Undertaker has never faced a guy like me before. I have no breaking point. And all you have to do is look in my eyes and realize that I've laughed in the face of temptation time and time again. I have never tapped out to society's schoolyard attempts at peer pressure. You tried to stick a beer in my hand with the same commercials that have hypnotized all of you people and that sell you all your narcotics and things you're addicted to. Well, I'm harder than any alcohol you can drink. I'm straighter than any line you can snort up your nose. And I certainly can hurt you a lot faster than any pill you put on your tongue. And you know what? It's nothing noteworthy, but I wanted to share it anyway since I scanned through that episode as I do with all this research, which is insane to do. But just to show you how sometimes things change and sometimes they remain the same, just going to share with you now about 90 seconds of a segment that happened on SmackDown 10 years ago. Tell me this couldn't happen on Monday Night Raw now.
last week I was overlooked. So I decided to make a statement at the hands of that dancing fool in the ring over there. But tonight, here's a match and I'm not even on the show. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. I'm gonna keep coming out here each and every week and I'm gonna ruin all your little parties until everybody recognizes me as the superstar that I am. Two thousand ten TNA has no surrender from Orlando. For the tag titles, motor shooting machine guns retained defeating Generation Me of Jeremy and Max Buck. For the X Division title, Doug Williams retains defeating Sabu. Velvet Sky over Madison Rain. Abyss over Rhino in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Jeff Jarrett and Samoa Joe defeats Kevin Nash and Sting by technical knockout. I quit match. Tommy Dreamer loses to AJ Styles. The semifinals for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Jeff Hardy and Kurt Angle ends in a 30-minute time limit draw. There was a stipulation if Kurt Angle lost, he'd be forced to retire. And in the semifinals for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship Tournament, Mr. Anderson over D'Angelo De Niro. Wrapping up 2010, Memphis Championship Wrestling shuts down. Uh, falling out between Jerry Lawler and his business partner. Trying to, you know, revive it. Just could not do it. 2012 TNA No Surrender from Orlando. Jeff Hardy over Samoa Joe. This was a Bound for Glory's semifinal match. Another semifinal match, Bully Ray over James Storm. For the TNA Knockouts title, Miss Tessmacher retains defeating Tara. X Division title, Zima Ion retains over Sanjay Dutt. Rob Van Dam over Magnus. Mm, Magnus! I know some of you out there wanted that. For the World Tag Team titles, bad influence of Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, they retain defeating AJ Styles and Kurt Angle. And the Bound for Glory series match final, Jeff Hardy over Bully Ray. Also 2012, Bret Hart made his return to the WWE. And look, it was a memorable return. He had the storyline with Vince McMahon. But unfortunately, that would be overshadowed because of a serious health scare. And I tell you, you know, thank God that he recovered. And you remember that time, how serious it felt. And it was serious. And to think that this happened all the way back in 2012 already is amazing. But I want you to sit back and relax. I want you to hear some interview clips. Uh, you'll hear Michael Cole, Steve Austin, Jerry Lawler, and they are talking about what went down this week in 2012. After having a tag team match, Jerry Lawler suffers a heart attack live on Raw during commentary. And it's creepy to look back on, but at least we know, thank God, that he is well. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to, to uh, preface this by saying that this is not part of our entertainment tonight. This is a, a real-life situation. Um, earlier this evening, my broadcast colleague, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, uh, passed out while working here at ringside. Uh, he collapsed um, uh, on the ground. He was stretchered to the back where he received CPR. 
Um, the latest update we have now is he has been, uh, he has been taken to a, to a local hospital uh, here in Montreal. Uh, we are being told um, uh, that he is receiving oxygen, but Jerry uh, is, uh, is breathing on his own. Um, although this is, a, is an extremely, extremely serious situation. And, uh, you know, Jerry, my friend, my, my prayers are with you. And um, out of respect to Jerry tonight, um, there's going to be no further commentary on this broadcast. And, um, but we hope to provide you with some sort of update before, uh, before we leave the, uh, the air tonight. In September of 2012, we were doing a show in Montreal, Canada. I'm going to be partners with Randy Orton in a match against CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. Randy Orton and I win the match, get our hands raised, and everybody's excited. I come back down, go to commercial break. We sit there and didn't have any inkling of anything being out of the ordinary. All of a sudden, I heard snoring. And I thought Jerry was pretending that he was sleeping. So I turned around to say to him, King, what are you doing? And as I turned around, Jerry was face first on the announce table. And he was literally snoring into his microphone. I said, Doc, get over here. Jerry, Jerry, talk to me, buddy. Jerry, Jerry, talk to me. Jerry. And as Doc ran over, Jerry fell out of his chair. And Mike Mansuri, who was working with us at ringside as an assistant, he actually caught Jerry. Dr. Samson and I, we each grabbed a side of Jerry and we picked him up and Jerry literally just fell like a ton of bricks right out of our hands. Initially, everyone thought it was a seizure because his arm had gone straight, so everyone thought that Jerry was just seizing until, you know, Doc realized he went, this guy's having a heart attack. Jerry, uh, obviously, what we were talking about was uh, back in uh, September, Jerry actually... uh, had a heart attack on the air right uh, on Monday Night Raw uh, we were in Montreal Canada we were calling a match and um, Jerry and I don't look at each other when we work we have monitors at it's ringside it's gotten there huh right? and I exactly <laughs> can't stand the sight <laughs> of each other I look at my other. right monitor Jerry looks at his left monitor and we were calling a match and all of a sudden I heard Jerry snoring mm. now, I thought that he was just like doing that to say that the match was boring right which would he is that something i used to do it when i was a bad guy so i just figured maybe he was doing it so yeah. i uh, i turned around to look at him and you know he was snoring and uh then i said this isn't right and his head was on the table the next thing i knew he went into cardiac arrest so uh you know thank god uh for the doctors and the emts and jerry you know made it and, that had to be the scariest thing you've ever seen oh my there. god and i've been I, I worked at cbs news before i worked in this business and uh-huh. I, I, uh, you know we always talk about i always say on the air especially when i was a bad guy that you know i'm a former war correspondent and a broadcast journalist but that's true i i've covered wars i which know, wars did you on, cover? i was in uh, bosnia mm-hmm. uh, i did a, a three tours in bosnia um sarajevo uh and i uh, i was involved in uh the in Kuwait, the first Persian Gulf War, mm-hmm. did a number of different things. Um, so I, I'd been in, involved in all kinds of different things from the news business, but this is actually something that really affected me because it was a, one of my real good friends who I'd been working with for fifteen years. And he's right next to you, exactly. And I just plus, to, plus I, I would think you know when you go to to, to cover war, you're expecting like some some crazy shit could happen. Yeah, and you're yeah. not personally invested, and you don't know anybody that's involved. You're, you're not a reporter. personally invested in the story. Yeah, like you're, when you're Michael Cole and you're just sitting at ringside calling Raw. Right. You know, you kind of would like to think that you have some idea of what's going to happen. And then you have to explain to the world that this isn't 
part yeah. of the show. This right. is real life. And and you're a bad guy at that time. Right. I, well, I was. So, it? like, theoretically, <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, I hope he has a heart attack. I, I had to break character. Yeah. You know? And it, it, then the news background came in. Long story short, Jerry made it, thank God. And uh, he's better today and better shape today than he's ever been in his entire life. But he said he died for a second, yes, right? that's what he claims. Wow. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you're not a doctor, but... Exactly, whether you believe that or you don't, I mean, whatever he saw, he said he didn't see any light. He said it was completely pitch black till he woke up. Yeah. So we know where he's going when it's all over. But he... uh, He's lived a good life, though, hasn't he? Exactly. So on Wednesday, I remember this happened on Monday, on Wednesday, um, uh, Jerry, uh, his uh, girlfriend had called me from the hospital in Montreal and said, listen, somebody wants to talk to you. And I, you know, Jerry's on the phone. Holy shit, Jerry Jerry Lawler, you had a heart attack two days ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, And this was like... And when they were reporting this heart attack, it was like, we don't know what's going to happen. This was a bad one. I was told by my producers uh, probably about a half hour after it happened that, uh, listen, Michael, you've got to really make sure that you're prepared to deliver the worst. Wow. So now all this stuff's going on. I'm trying to forget, get all situated in my head how I'm going to... So in your head, report. you're thinking how you deliver this. Exactly. Thing. That's exactly what I was thinking. And then going off the air, it was almost like it was... I hate to say this, it was almost like it was scripted, because going off the air, we got the news in at the last moment that Jerry was hanging in there, and yeah. the news looked better. So that Wednesday, he actually calls me, and the uh, uh, he says, uh, hey, Michael, it's Jerry. And I'm like, hey, King, I can't believe you're here. You're alive. And we talked for a few seconds, and I just said, I just want to tell you something. Thanks for ruining my heel run. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. That was baby face again. That was the, the whole thing. And that's where the money is, too. You're not making money from WrestleMania uh, matches. No. As a, hey, look at those guys in the ring. Being a bad guy is the greatest thing in the world. It is. It really is. It is so much fun. It's and that's easy. That's that's a little more naturally you, isn't it? Of course it is. Well, you know me well. You know me <laughs> off the air. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Evil Michael Cole comes out. <laughs> that's after some of those whiskeys, though. Here is the question that I was wondering. A few weeks ago, after all this... You see, you know, you watch this guy have this heart attack. He falls down. They bring him back. He comes back. It's a miraculous thing. So what's he doing eating tater tots on TV? You know how many tweets <laughs> I got about that? Yeah, I would imagine. We doing a promotional bit for Sonic, uh-huh. uh, who's a great sponsor of WWE, and they have been for years. And, um, you know, Jerry was eating one of their new items. And... <laughs> And I, my Twitter blew up that night. Because, hey, Cole, the guy's had a heart attack in a few once, and now he's eating fried food. And Lawler is sitting there stuffing his face with tater tots. He had five of them in his mouth at once. I go, this was months ago, not years ago. No, nope, but he, according to Jerry, the doctors say he could eat and do whatever he wants. That he's in better shape and health now than he was before the heart attack. You of don't think about Jerry. Jerry has never smoked. No. He's never drank. And um, but he but he does cage matches <laughs> at sixty and eats tater tots exactly, <laughs> and he wants to wrestle again. He does. He does. He he loves it. Would Vince put him in the ring again? I don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. I will, and I'm not, you're not going to get me to go there either because I don't have any idea what they're thinking. Well, I will say because <laughs> in my mind the human in me would say no. I would never put Jerry Lawler in the ring. But I think Vince, oh, God damn, yeah, we'll put him back in the ring. Uh, he's a promoter. Yeah. So who knows? As um, long as you can get Jerry Lawler on TV. Before he goes in there to say, I want to do this, right? my hands are clean on this one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If anybody remembers that night, I had a match. You know, a lot of times, and I, I love it when they do it, uh, you know, they would include me in the show some sort of way and uh, involve me in a match and, and, still, and still do the commentary at the same time. So start out the show doing the commentary, and then they, then they had me involved in a match where it was me and Randy Orton against CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. 
And so I, I remember, you know, I got up and I went, I went up and did the match, and I've watched it back several times. It was a hell of a match. I mean, you know, I was, I, I'm always conscious of when I'm in there with those guys. You know, hey, you got to hang with these young guys, man. Right. This, is a, this is a young man's business, and and it's just a, a, a thrill to be included in a match every now and then on here. So, but you don't want to look out of place. You know, you don't want to look like, oh my gosh, what's this guy? What's what? Why they got this guy in there? So, you know, I'm I'm looking at the match and I'm jumping off the doing dives off the second rope and. And, and all of these sorts of things, drop kicks and 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 that, and everything went fine in the match. I do remember Steve, I, and I and I still say that this was the partial cause of this thing. Um, I remember, and if you watch Dolph Ziggler's matches, this this guy's amazing young talent. Yeah, he's yes. great, and he's really energetic and he's really enthusiastic. And sometimes he gets a little overly uh, enthused, and 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 he does this move where he'll drop ten straight elbows on his opponent. You know, get you mm. down. Well, he he had me down in the middle of the ring, and he starts dropping these elbows. And I remember at about number six or seven, I'm thinking, what the hell happened to the day when we used to be able to do this and not kill our po- opponent? Right, I actually remember thinking that because he was dropping these elbows with every bit of his weight, and I'm thinking, Jesus, this guy's trying to kill me. And so, you know, he goes through ten of those, and then, uh, and then, of course, we finished the match, and 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 uh, oh gosh, Randy Orton and I went, we won the match, and then I come back over and I sit down doing commentary, and I felt fine. Everything was everything was uh, was great. Right, and literally, it, it was it was it was a strangest thing and it's still even strange to talk about it because i'm sitting there then i think the next match started which was kane and uh kane and some maybe kane and daniel bryan against the uh oh gosh titus o'neill and darren young i believe anyway i remember that that match is going and literally steve i promise you it's as if it's as if i'm watching that match and i'm talking uh, to michael cole i'm doing the commentating and it was as if i'm looking up at the ring and i blink my eyes and when i open them again I was in the hospital with a ventilator down my throat, my girlfriend mm. at my side in Montreal, Canada, and it was two days later. Wow. I mean, I had no warning. I had no bad feeling. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, you'll have tingling in your arm. You'll have uh, tightness of your chest or hard to breathe or anything. Nothing. Literally, it was like, I, I, you know, I blinked my eyes. I woke up uh, two days later. And I honestly believe it. And talking to my cardiologist, I think that those elbows may have had an effect. In other words, what what I had was a sudden cardiac arrest. It right. was not it was not the typical heart attack that was caused by blockage or or clogged arteries or anything like that. It was just, and 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 people suffer these. They say somebody dies every ninety seconds in the United States of a sudden cardiac arrest, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just your heart stops for one reason or other, and if there's not some way to get it started again, you're dead, you know. And had this happened to me an hour later or two hours later, and I'd been driving or been back in my hotel room by myself, that would have been it. I would have been gone. You know, just fortunately, the, the, uh, our Dr. Mike Sampson, our ringside physician, was right there next to me, and the, and the paramedics in the back gave me CPR. My heart just stopped, I mean, it didn't, and it didn't start beating again for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's I mean, it. They, they worked on me and gave me CPR for 20 straight minutes until they finally hit me with the defibrillator with those paddles seven times before they got my heart started again. But the funny thing was when you have these, when you have a sudden cardiac arrest and your heart stops, if, if, uh, if they, if you have the proper CPR, uh, and they can get your heart started back again, a lot of times it just, boom, it just kicks right back in and there's no damage. And it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like to where your heart 
if you had a clogged artery and, and suddenly part of your heart is deprived of blood flow and oxygen and that part just dies off. Well, I didn't, my, I didn't suffer any damage to my heart, no scarring or anything like that. Once they got, thanks to the CPR, but once they got my heart stuck, started back again, it was, it was as if it didn't happen. Well, I remember I mean, hearing about I, it I happened. From that moment on, and to, until today, I, if if you didn't, if I didn't know it happened, you couldn't convince me that I that I really had a, a, a heart attack. Well, I remember hearing about it, you know, through the news, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody thought, oh, when he comes around, he's going to have some brain damage, and you didn't. You returned back to normal. Well, I think that was because I mean, you know, that was the word went out that my heart didn't beat for twenty minutes, right? And I think what most people figured was uh, my brain and the rest of my body was deprived of blood flow. Because, of course, that's what your heart does for that 20 minutes. But thank God uh, it was Mike Sampson, the, our, our uh, WWE doctor, and two other paramedics from there in, in, uh, in Montreal. And they took turns, I mean, because they did it with such force. They They're blown up. One of my ribs. Oh, yeah. They, they did it with such force. It would have been impossible for one person to do that continuously for 20 minutes. But the three of them were able to take turns and keep me keep that blood uh, with that pressure, keep the blood flowing throughout my body and to my brain, that I suffer no ill effects whatsoever. All right, so check it out. You're waking up in the hospital. you got a breathing tube down your throat. What are you thinking? You, you see your girl there. I mean, you, the last thing you remember is watching the match. Right. What's going through your mind? Well, uh, and we had, my girlfriend and I, Lauren, had been in Aruba the week before on a, right. on a wrestling, uh, did a wrestling show down there and, and a sort of a kind of combination vacation uh, working trip to Aruba. And I just, I didn't remember, you know, when what when was going through my mind was I didn't re immediately remember the match or that I had been at, at Monday Night Raw when it happened. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't even talk with that thing down my throat. So I was tr trying to write and we've saved it. I still got it over here somewhere in the stack of papers, the, the note that I wrote to her, and the first thing I wrote was, are, are we in Aruba? I thought we were possibly still there. You know, <laughs> I didn't remember that, that part. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, she, she explained to me. But I, a lot of the stuff I don't, you know, I don't remember. Um, and they say that that's one of the, that's one of the things that uh, is an after effect of, of, uh, of, your heart not beating for that length of time, you know, sometimes you don't remember everything, but it's, it's come back and, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just, just was the weirdest thing. I feel like I'm the luckiest person, uh, luckiest person in the world, but I do honestly, and I talked to my cardiologist about it and he said, absolutely. The trauma to my chest from those elbows could have knocked my heart, could have been hard enough to kind of knock your heart out of rhythm. Yeah. And you wouldn't know, and it would just get, and it would start slowly, and then just get more and more and more out of rhythm until it just seized up. Your heart is in a cattywampus state, as we would say on a Steve Austin show. So, what's the prognosis? You're good. You're back at work. You're feeling a hundred percent. You're good to go. I absolutely, feel one hundred percent. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm you know, I want to, I want to go in and and sit down with uh, Vince and say, hey, I want, you know, I, I want to come back and do something on the show. I would love to do uh, get get back involved with. Uh, you know, and have a match or two on Raw or, or at a pay-per-view. You still like want to get back in the ring? Oh, yeah, absolutely, definitely still want you to. You ain't got that I'm out of your I'm system yet. To, yes. You still haven't got that out of your system? No, never. Son of a bitch is still wrestling, too. God bless him. God bless him. Guy loves wrestling. 2013 TNA, one night only pay-per-view, knockouts, knockdown. It aired this week on pay-per-view in 13. I want to mention it because it's not a bad card. This was a series of matches featuring knockouts, indie women, 
every winner would advance to a gauntlet battle royal, and the winner of that battle royal would be crowned queen of the knockouts. So here we go. Gail Kim over Alyssa Flesh. Lady Top over Ivelisse. Tara over Mia Yim. Miss Tesmach over Santana. ODB over Trinity. Jackie Moore over Taryn Terrell. Hannah Blossom over Sojo Bolt and Taylor Hendricks. Velvet Sky over Jillian Hall. Mickey James over Serena. And the knockouts gauntlet match. It was Gail Kim to win it all and become queen of the knockouts. 2014, TNA has another one-night-only pay-per-view, the World Cup of Wrestling, aired this week on pay-per-view. Now, it's a World Cup, so you kind of think, okay, we're going to have all these international wrestlers. Well, it didn't happen that way. You had four teams of wrestlers. It was Team Young, Eric Young, Captain, Bully Ray, Eddie Edwards, Gunner, and ODB. Team Angle, which was Kurt Angle, the captain, Davey Richards, Mr. Anderson, Sonata, and Madison Rain. Team EC3, which was EC3, uh, Ethan Carter III, the captain, Jesse Goddard, Robbie E. Magnus, and Gail Kim. And Team Rude, which was Bobby Rude, captain, James Storm, Kenny King, Sam Shaw, and Angelina Love. Now, you won, you got points. The team with the most points qualifies to the final match of the night to win the TNA World Cup. Team Eric Young's Eddie Edwards over Bobby Roode's team, James Storm. Team EC3's Gil Kim over Team Angle's Madison Rain. Team EC3's Bromans over Team Angle's Miss Anderson and Sonata. Team Young's Eric Young over Team Roode's Bobby Roode. Team Angles, Kern Angle over Team EC3's Magnus. Team Rude's Angelina Love over Team Young's ODB. Team EC3's Ethan Carter III over Team Angles, Davey Richards. Team Young's Bully Ray and Gunner over Sam Shaw and Kenny King. And the main event, Team Young of Eric Young, Bully Ray, Eddie Edwards, Gunner, and ODB. They defeated Team EC3 of Ethan Carter III, Jesse Goddard, Robbie E. Magnus, and Gail Kim. Five-on-five elimination match. So as a result, Team Young has four points. EC3, three points. Team Rude, one point. And Team Angle, one point. So Team Young wins the World Cup. Hope I made it sound interesting. Triple A, this week in 14, taped the first ever episode of Lucha Underground. Now, it would not air on TV yet. Wasn't going to be for a couple of months, but it did take place this week in 14. Got some good reviews from those who were there live. They were also told not to say much about it, you know, try to keep it confidential. Dark matches, famous B of a Bial. You have Mil Muertes over Magnificent Martin. Blue Demon Jr. over Chavo Guerrero Jr. Son of Havoc over Sexy Star. In the main event, Johnny Mundo over Prince Puma. We're going to wrap this up momentarily. 2015 WWE signs Asuka. Same week on Monday Night Raw, they're celebrating Seth Rollins as the Universal Champion. The Authority present him with this seven feet tall, big brown statue of him holding the Universal title. Ugh. Look, I was happy to see Sting in WWE, but that segment of him with the garbage truck, it was, it was goofy. I mean, just 
Seth Rollins just standing there watching it all go down instead of trying to run and save it. it just, I, don't know, I just didn't like it. But one I liked even worse, this one I'm going to share with you right now. It's amazing. The OC, Gals and Anderson, getting some momentum in WWE and deservingly so. One of my favorite tag teams in WWE. In 2016, and it's funny because now everybody feels like Gals and Anderson at, at one point never had any push ever in the WWE. Always jobbed out. I think a lot of people forget that they were feuding with the New Day in 2016. And because of that feud, we were treated to this. I'm Luke Gallows. And I'm Carl Anderson. We're retirement specialists. After retiring the Dudley boys, we now have our sights set on retiring the New Day as Raw Tag Team Champions at Clash of Champions. That's true, Steve. We're here to prove to the New Day that they can find just as much fulfillment in retirement as they do as the Tag Team Champions. So tonight, we want to show all of you exactly what the New Day is like under our care in the future. So without further ado, from the octogenarian leisure... Nah, man. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. From the Gallows and Anderson Old Farts Home, yeah. please join us in welcoming the old day! Come on! <laughs> oh, can't you see? Don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's an old day, yes it is. Oh, God, look at him. Wow. Oh, oh boy. Kofi. Kofi. Those suspenders are so booty. So booty. So booty. Is that old Xavier? Or is that old Tommy Chong? <laughs> hey, old Big E. Old Big E, don't drool on yourself or fall asleep at the wheel or... My God, his gut, his gut <laughs> is in front of the steering wheel. <laughs> hey, look at the size of that tiny trombone. I guess what they say is true. With old age comes shrinkage. <laughs> Let's help him in the ring. Come on. Right here, guys, this way. Come on, old fellas. This way, right here. Come on, you scratchy bums. Hey, old Big E. Hey, hey, man. Come on. All right, come on, right here. Get up here. Let's go. Yep. This one could use some glucosamine. Come on, old fella. Come on. Come on, here you go. All right. I got your walker. Watch your gut there. Try to steady yourself. Grab your mic. What? Come on. Here. Come on, old day. All together now. Okay. Jeez. All right, guys. I just have one question. Yeah. What in the hell happened to you? Yeah. 
Well, at Clash of Champions, you guys beat the PP out of us. Oh, oh, oh. PP? What do you mean PP? That's right. I said it. The power of positivity. Oh, oh, oh the POP ski. I, I get it. Yeah, and Dr. Woods, Dr. Woods, in your medical opinion, how have we treated you in the future? Huh? Oh, geez, he, he can't hear me. It might be the hair, it might be the earwax, I don't know. He's a little older. Dr. Woods, in your medical opinion. Hang on, hang on, let me get old French here. Old French. He still can't hear me. It's, things aren't going well here. Okay, hey. Dr. Woods, in oh, your... Oh, oh, Dr. Woods! Dr. Woods, oh, 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 my DM's opening up, finally kicking in. Oh, I remember, I got hit up by old, old choo-choo Betty Lou from old Kalamazoo. Nobody wants to hear any of those old fogey stories from back then. Hush. Yeah. Be quiet. That's, that's disgusting. Just like you currently, old Biggie. I mean, you, you've clearly let yourself go. Yeah, Biggie, you've clearly given up. I mean, I mean, your your pectorals are are below your waistline. But you know what? I came out here fully prepared to serve you with some Metamucil, but uh, you've clearly already soiled yourself. <laughs> you damn right. Oh, hell no. I ain't done yet. See if I can shake some of this stuff out. Oh, exactly. You ready? W. Notable birthdays this week, those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Ray DeCripple Stevens, Ida Mae Martinez, Mr. Nibla, Abe Urist, Mike Clancy, Arpad Weber, Rex King, Whitey Whitler, Johnny Seals, Duke Finnegan, Wildcat Wilson, Don Sugai, Cyclone Veloz, Ox Anderson, Jack O'Brien, Turk Powell, Jack Kennedy, Suji Hayamaka, Lee Grable, Rodney Fenton, Jim LaRock, Rob Nandor, Butcher Brannigan, and Mariana Comlos. Happy birthday to all of you. Pat Barrett is 78. Jerry Jarrett is 77. Septembre Negro is 73. The Great Kabuki is 71. El Hijo del Gladiador is 70. Black Terry is 67. Kengo Kamora turned 66. El Signo is 65. Corporal Kirshner and Spectro Jr. is 62. The Barbarian and Shiro Koshinaka is 61. Wendy Richter turns 58. George South is 57. Raven and Takashi Okamura are 55. Hoshitango and Jeff Warner are 54. Phil Barham turns 51. Megumi Kudo and Cannonball Grizzly are 50. Lodi, Shane Ballard, and Shannon Ballard of 49. David Arquette, Masanori Ishikura, and La Amapola of 48. Bob Evans and Shane Sewell turn 47. Tom Carter, Rick Michaels, Derek Nykirk, and June Kasai of 45. 
Ricky Senchu, El Psicopata, and Bull Dread of 44. Roberto De Luna and Valentino turn 43. Nora Greenwald, Molly Holly. Awesome Kong and Minoru Fujita of 42. Tomokazo Marita, Tania Brooks, Hideo Toda, and Briar Wellington of 41. Loki, Justin Time, I like that name, Justin Time. Saburo Inimatsu, Dave Greco, and Queen Maya turn 40. Jillian Hall and Mammoth Honda of 39. Mini Mr. Aguila, Chris Raber, and Vangelis are 38. Braun Strowman, Robbie Cassidy, Aaron Williams, Steve Allison, Kenichi Chicano, and Matt Maverick turn 36. TJP is 35. Dark Alley, Taishi Takizawa, and Tristan Archer are 34. Xavier Woods, Colin Delaney, and Yoruba are 33. Wesley Blake and Scott Fusion turn 32. Shane Hawk, Matt Lomax, Sky De Lacrimosa, Brandon Scott, Scotty Young, Andy Wild, A.R. Fox, and Sawako Shimono are 31. Aaron Frost turns 30. Chico Del Barrio, Pascal Spalter, they turn 29. Sarah Logan, Yota Sushi, and Brian Pillman Jr. are 26. Mayuki Takasi is 24. Principe Diamante is 23. And Hana Kimura, along with Sukushi, they turn 22. Notable debuts this week in history. Kevin Nash debuted in 1990. Eric Rowan in 2003. Tony Nese in 2005. Jack Swagger and Tyrus in 2006. Buddy Murphy in 2007. And Killer Cross in 2014. And finally, notable deaths this week in history. Lord Littlebrook died at age 87. Charo Steck at 86. Frankie Tolliver at 82. Billy Darnell at 81. The great Azul and Mighty Fritz passed away at 78. The great Antonio and Leroy McGurk passed away at 77. Rusty Westcote and Wong Buck Lee died at 76. Little Tokyo passed away at 71. Emilio Charles at 70. Johnny Case, 66. Butcher Brannigan and Eduardo Perez died at 61. Randy Morse and George Tragos died at 58. Man Mountain Dean Jr. and Abdullah Tamba died at 51. Maurice Tillet died at age 50. Gus Sonnenberg at 46. Sean O'Hare died at age 43. Brian Hildebrand and Bad Bad Leroy Brown at 37. Scott Irwin died at 35, and Mascara Sagrada passed away at 33. With that, I bid you farewell for this week in wrestling history. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Remember, we have a Discord channel that is up, running, and active 24-7, 365, and that is not a gimmick. That is legit. And remember, if you like what we do, you want to help support our shows, help keep these shows free and get a boatload of bonus content in return. Check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. You could sign up for as little as two bucks and you get live shows. You get a show that Mish and I do every other week. I have blah, 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 which is non-wrestling. Castle Chronicles is so much there and it's it's a wonderful environment. I should also stress that too. 
And if you sign up now, you have access to the library. I mean, as of right now, there is got to be five, 600 hours of patron recorded shows that have not been made public. So sign up, get access to everything, get access to the future shows, and you'll have a nice time there. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Everyone, I'm out of here. Enjoy the rest of the week, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nebbia. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200.